I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. And this is Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. We are a new show breaking down the anime news, views, and shows you care about each and every week. I can't think of a better studio to bring something like this to life. Yeah, I agree. We're covering all the classics. If I don't know a lot about Godzilla, which I do, but I'm trying to pretend (laughs) that I don't right now. Hold it in. And our current faves. Luffy must have his due. (laughs) Tune in every week for the latest anime updates and possibly a few debates. I remember, what was that? (laughs) Say what you're going to say and I'll circle back. You can listen to Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect every Friday wherever you get your podcasts. And watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. 
That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The following is a presentation of the Force Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Four Center Podcast feed, and this particular episode is one of our deep dives. We're going to dive deep into the High Republic book, Midnight Horizon, by Daniel Jose Older. I'm Joseph Scripshaw. I'm Ken Napsack. Can't wait to dive on in. I love these young adult and middle grade readers because they are on my intelligence level, and I can understand them better. Also, sometimes I get confused. Now, uh, it's going to be a lot of fun diving back to the High Republic. Yeah, I can't wait to get started discussing it. So we want to let you know, as always, that today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. You can get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash center. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. This week, we are recommending the book we're about to talk about, Midnight Horizon by Daniel Jose Older. If you want to experience the story first and then listen to us share our thoughts, you can pause this podcast podcast right now and download your free audiobook today by going to audibletrial.com slash center Again, that's audibletrial.com slash center for your free audiobook. But Ken, we have other books to recommend that we're not currently discussing. Yeah, that's right. You got two hands, right? You can hold these books <laughs> in each hand there if you do. If you don't, uh, you got a table, a desk, you got a lot of options. Inside Editions, publisher of a ton of great Star Wars books is offering 35% off across their website. If you use this special link, InsideEditions.com slash discount slash FC35. This week, we're recommending the Inside Editions book, the mini book of lightsabers. It is exactly what it says it is, a tiny mini book of lightsabers. It's wonderful. It really is. Again, use this link, InsideEditions.com slash discount slash FC35. All right, Joseph. If I were a skilled woodworker, I would make a little tiny coffee table for this tiny book, mini book of lightsabers. It's absolutely beautiful. <laughs> but we're going to talk about a, a good-sized book, uh, physically, and a huge book, emotionally, I think. Uh, we're going to dive into Midnight Horizon. As always, we want to let you know, awooga, awooga, the official warning noise that this is a full spoiler podcast review. We are going to talk about everything, nothing withheld. So again, if you haven't read or listened to this book and you want to first, this is your final warning. We're going into hyperspace, into spoiler town. So, Ken, with that uh, acknowledgement, that warning out there, what was your big picture reaction to Midnight Horizon? Love it? Like it? Struggle with it? How did it fit into your general love of the High Republic? Where are you at? I fit in nicely. We'll start there. I've been so enjoying the High Republic and, and, and taking it all in. And sometimes that's overwhelming. The comics, everything. There's a lot out there. It's a lot out there. But uh, you are always pulled back in so well by these authors. And this book was no different. I think overall, though, this book won me over which is actually, I'll say, it's a real positive statement. It was a tough week for all of us at uh, the time of this reading, and, and it's always tough, but it's just a particularly tough week, both just state of the world and also just schedule-wise for me to sit down and, and concentrate on a book of any kind. Um, so when this book started and had some very, uh, shall we say, wizard comedy and it pulled in <laughs> a lot of characters, there's at one point I really patted myself on the back where I was like, oh, I think that's that one character for the comics, and I looked it up and I got it right. But before then, I was a little hazy on it. And I just, I've been following the comics. Uh, I just get behind a little bit. So 
I uh, I don't know. I pulled back a little bit at the beginning, and 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 I started to take like the least amount of notes of any higher public book yet. Which wasn't it wasn't about the book, but at one point I was just kind of trying to get to the finish line. But then at one point, Joseph, um, this book just was really started to to turn a little bit, uh, you know, uh, get deeper and. and it started playing with real world emotions and desires in this, in this charming and insightful and meaningful way. And, um, you know, this is a young adult novel and it's, and it's young, young adults. Um, you know, I, I don't know. It's, it's very, it, it, this book never talks down or, or, or mm-hmm. at the core reader talks with them. It sits at the table with them, so to speak. It talks it over, asks them how they feel and leaves the reader enough room to figure out, I don't know what, how, how they want to go forward. And therefore I, I gave me room to grow with this book as well. So, uh, and yeah, this book challenged this old dog to look back at choices I've made in my life, which is big, <laughs> and choices I'm still making. So it all came together nicely and led to uh, one of my favorite High Republic moments we're going to talk about. And that's what I mean when I say the book won me over. Yeah, I went on a similar journey. I'm loving the High Republic. And it's just, it is it can be a lot to keep track of. And I, I've been reading almost everything, including uh, Daniel Jose Older's great uh, High Republic Adventures that introduces uh, several of the characters that we spent time with and refers to a lot of the characters. And I think it was richer for, for having that, having read that comic book. But it, it can be a lot uh, to keep in mind, you know. And all, all these books have had this great mix where they're, they're really good, uh, mythic action adventure books where uh, they're the short propulsive chapters. They've got that uh, serial adventure feel. So they kind of whisk you along. So there's great movement in them, but then they also ask you to do a lot of work because every book features multiple main characters and you have to track back like, yes, uh, I remember something was bugging this character, but what was it? And what is the connection between that character? And has that only been alluded to? Did Was that in my head canon or was that in that yeah. panel, that comic book? Like, it, it can be a lot of work. So I am finding myself wanting to get like into a high Republic groove and, and stay there <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so that I can and memorize it more. So I'm very much enjoying the books, but just by the nature of what the initiative is, there's a little bit of work to kind of get back into the high Republic groove and remember everything I want to, to fully get the most out of it. So I had that. And then, uh, yeah, I think this book at the beginning, it has, a lot of great character work. We get a, a peek into uh, the central conflicts of all of our main characters. Their their inner turmoil is turmoil is is very serious, but there's a lot of uh, fun character work, a lot of fun banter, and the book is uh, it's fun. And Daniel Hazelway older, I think, has this style of just there. There's like an an energy and and a real why not spirit, and uh, I think there's even some language uh, that is used a lot that. Um, some language and some comedy that feels very modern to me, which sometimes for me, I have to work a little bit to accept. I actually think it's really great that he does that because I think Star Wars needs to evolve and it needs to bring in younger people. And then I just have to wrestle with my own, like, do we use that word in Star Wars? And I'm like, yes, we do because Star Wars evolves. Uh, But I have to process process that for myself. So like the first half of this book is like, I got to work a little bit to get into it, enjoying all the comedy work, enjoying the character work. And then about halfway through it just to me explodes into depth, action, yeah. pain. Uh, some of my favorite moments in, in high Republic as well uh, on a personal level. I mentioned on the, the news and cues show uh, or news show that we did this week uh, that uh, I sold a house that uh, my wife and I have owned in Minneapolis for a very long time. And it was really surprisingly hard to let go. 
and I was reading that was the same day that that happened. And I was kind of taken by surprise on how much it hurt to let go of that house that, that I love that I thought it was, I was ready to let go of. And I, and I wasn't quite ready for it, but I needed to process. Uh, I was finishing this book and this is one of those moments where star Wars swooped in and helped me. Um, mm. And I felt like, look, if Yoda <laughs> can yeah. process sadness, you know, uh, <laughs> if, if Cantum can, can process their feelings and, and mm-hmm. learn to let go <laughs> yeah. and, you know, look to new horizons. All these characters who go through all this great depth that we'll talk about in depth. So I won't get into it now, but it was just, um, it went from being like, this is a book I like, I'm enjoying, uh, but I got to really kind of get on the same page of it to this absolutely wonderful explosion of, of star Wars Jedi uh, philosophy that, really helped me as a human being on the day I happened to be reading it. Uh, that's great. I can't wait to even explore that more and, and, and even hear about it more off air. I love when Star Wars does that. And, and, and I love that it found you on this particular day and almost to this particular moment. Um, and a big lesson there too, of, of, of change and growth and, and something we always talk about is big Star Wars themes, but you mentioned in terms of the style more than even any of the other authors in high Republic, Daniel Jose older has a great style and it very, it's very conversational. It's almost like he's sitting at a, at a bar with us ha- telling you the story of the high Republic. Yeah. And he's using very modern, uh, not even about terms. There were some, there was a couple of times where I even kind of paused. It's just like, there's a lot of talk about, Oh, would you, did you, you know, it's almost as if the character's like, Oh, what you listen to a true crime podcast. Like, but it was in terms of holos and music and pop stars and, all that stuff I know without a doubt exists and I wanted to explore more in Star Wars, but there was a couple of times my walls went up, which is just silly. Like I don't want Star Wars to be some, you know, lifeless prim and proper prose or too sci-fi. That's one of my biggest critiques of some of the Zon stuff. Right. So I got to be consistent in, in that, I guess. And I think you're right. There was a little moment of, of, you know, this, it's okay that this flows in a different way with a different energy than other Star Wars things I'm familiar with it. Uh, familiar with so yeah i went through that journey too yeah yeah so yeah i'm I'm glad that we're on the same page and i think it is a good exercise in growth and now i really try to read it when something pops for me of like being like yeah that's pretty modern (laughs) it it, there's nothing about it that is like you're saying there's nothing about it uh, especially in the in the book land where you know there's lots of star wars books of all kinds where they just talk about getting up in the morning and drinking calf and catching up with the hollows. And it is just like, okay, it's star Wars still, but uh, yeah, they're drinking coffee and talking about the television show they watched. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's, that's a part of the the book world of star Wars that that stuff gets emphasized. But yeah, sometimes when I read a more modern turn of phrase or joke, I am almost now to the point where like, I'm happy because that means that people are younger. People are seeing themselves in the galaxy, right. Or seeing their way of talking or uh, a turn of phrase. that's just common to them. Yeah, yeah, and the book talks a lot about uh, how the students will lead the teachers, right? So, <laughs> yes, okay. I'm okay with this. Yeah, my last overall thought that I wanted to share is I think I just need to own up to my bias, Ken, mm. uh, which is one of my va- very favorite characters in the High Republic is Wreath Silas. Um, yes. And Daniel Hayes is older. There's even a great a- entry on Wikipedia about it. He had been uh, public on on Twitter about uh, he he worked a little bit to get into uh, Reith Silas's voice, his style that he found it challenging. That he uh, reached out to Claudia Gray uh, when writing Silas, and uh, I think ultimately he just nailed it. Um, Reith is uh, absolutely one of my favorite characters. This was the exact same Reith that I've read in other books, and that the uh, uh, one of the many stories in this book is Reith's journey 
uh, to becoming a Jedi Knight. Oh man, did I love that. And uh, I definitely want to make sure that we try to talk about all the character threads, but I'm going to acknowledge my bias because I might keep bringing up Wreath. <laughs> oh, it's great. I love your connection to Wreath. And uh, yeah, I think in the end, Wreath's uh, emerging is one of, one of my favorite characters in the High Republic. So good stuff. Yeah, very, very powerful. All right, let's get into what was at stake in this book, the big themes, the big ideas. Uh, I usually try to, for our book discussions, break down what I kind of see as some of the big ideas, uh, then Ken and I uh, discuss them. So I'm starting here, Ken, with one of the main ideas of this book, I felt, was finding your path or identity. So we had many main characters, or even uh, we could call them perspective characters, characters where we were literally seeing events from within their head, their description mm -hmm. of, of events and in, in getting access to their thoughts. So each of our main characters or uh, perspective characters uh, struggle to find the way forward. Uh, they're making major decisions about life choices. And in many instances in this book, they are actually changing the direction of their lives. So uh, a couple specifics to highlight uh, this theme, this idea. Uh, Wreath makes this theme explicit. He is explicitly struggling to find his path. <laughs> he's thinking yeah. about it in a, in a uh, obviously it's a metaphor, but he's usually, he, he's literally using the word path of what is my path. Uh, comes to this place where he accepts that there is no path, so he can't be lost and mm. becomes a Jedi Knight, proving that he is indeed on some kind of path. Uh, do you say Ram or Rom in your head, Ken? I think I say Ram because what's his name? Jamaram? Ram Jamaram. Or Ram Jamaram. Or I think <laughs> Rom's probably more uh how I say it in my head, but uh I think out loud I want to say Ram, not just because it looks like Ram, but just because the the inherent poetry of his full name. But Ram yeah. is how I say it in my head. Yeah. Yeah. I say Ram. So uh we'll have a traditional uh, Star Wars uh discussion yeah. where I say Ram, you say Ram, and uh maybe uh someone will let us know uh what it is. Maybe maybe Markion or Marchion Roe will let us know if it's Ram or Ram. Yeah. Maybe Mariak Tonyumpson will uh figure it out uh, in his audio books, yes. <laughs> Excellent. So anyway, uh, going on with uh, the supporting ideas of the theme of finding your path, uh, Ram goes through this uh, this crisis where he basically feels emotionally either nothing or everything. Uh, his friendship with Reith, the advice from Reith helps him find balance in his emotions. Uh, Zine is wrestling with uh, whether to run away from the Jedi and uh, Vernestra Rowe or not. Uh, Cantum's backstory shows their choice to walk away from the Jedi and their choice to return. And uh, this really this great story about the detour that they needed to define their path. Mm. Uh, Comac Vitus, ultimately at the end of the book, chooses the path of walking away from being a Jedi at all. Uh, the new character that we meet, uh, meet here, uh, Crash, Crash's identity is defined by being an expert security agent. But in response to this evolving conflict that she's involved in, she walks away from that identity to become a resistance leader. So lots of ideas of paths, lots of changes in paths. What are your uh, big picture thoughts on this theme, Ken? Did you relate to it? Take inspiration from it? Where'd you go? All of the above, and this is what really started to emerge by the end, was some surprising decisions and things I hadn't thought about. So, yeah, related to the feeling we kind of all have when we're younger of not quite seeing the path forward or, or the pressure you might feel of thinking this is it, meaning I get one way forward. I better get it right. My high school guidance counselor said I need to get on that four-year plan. If I don't, my life I don't know what I'm going to do if I don't go to Syracuse to be a broadcaster, which was 10 in ninth grade. Uh, and uh, so I just saw a lot of myself – uh, in parts of of Ram, 
little out of the element, out of my element at times, right? But passionate about the things he loves. And then I really saw myself in, in Comac and Wreath. Not to step on your Wreath love here. No, please do. Man, going back to the beginning, page 39, this was one of the things I wrote down immediately of, of Wreath, just kind of um, description about him being, he just needed a moment to breathe, is, is kind of what he's thinking of himself here, uh, to be. And then the path ahead would be revealed to him. He was sure of it. And in the end, yeah, a path might emerge. And I do believe in that. Uh, quiet your mind, sell it, and just kind of you, your gut will maybe tell you the way forward. You know, there's different ways to get there for all of us. But it was that last part of the sentence of he was sure of it. And that's the one thing. You can never be sure. Uh, a path will emerge. And even if then you're like, is that the right path? And I, I, that just started to go into my adulthood. Um, and so I just kind of connected with that. And then because I am an adult. And by the way, like I said, this book is, is for everyone without a doubt. Mm-hmm. I make some jokes every now and then about it being at my mental level. That's only because I feel 15 still, but in Comac's story, I see still someone still learning even when they thought they had a lot of it figured out. And I, I'm less inspired by the story. Uh, but I, I, but his leaving kind of has me wondering what's going to happen to him in a curious way where I'm like paying close attention to it. Cause if he can change, what can I change? Or if you can have doubts, where am I having doubts? Where do I need to uh, double down on that? Uh, Cantum tells Wreath, uh, being a Jedi isn't about having the answers, it's about knowing which questions to ask, even if some of those questions spend centuries and generations. And that, though it's to Wreath, also applied to some of the stuff with Comac. You'll hear me say it kind of a lot in some Star Wars. Hey, I don't know all the answers sometimes. And I think that's, we, we in, in this pundit business, in this podcast business, we're analyzing and we are putting out there what we think the answers are in Comac's story and his decision in the end. I literally went, wait, wait did, I, did, 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 did I read that right? <laughs> I didn't, why did you do that? Why did you do that? Cause I was kind of agreeing with you at some points in this book. And then I said, you know, and, and it left me with this, like, okay, I don't have the full final answer about what I think about Comac's decision. I just think I needed to follow him on this journey and, and, and follow his change and where he goes. Yeah. Well, you just, you said a lot of great things, pulled out a lot of great moments. I think for me, a couple of things that were moving about it is I think that in society and in our cultures, sometimes we only think of decisions as proactively doing something, right? Mm-hmm. Here's what I accomplished. Here's the new journey. And sometimes what our path is, is knowing to when to say no to something or knowing when to walk away from something. Yeah. And I love that little bit. Uh, I, I love uh, Cantum's story. I love mm-hmm. that in order to uh, find their place within the Jedi Order, their place within the Force, they had to walk away and they had to come back and choose the Jedi, right? Because mm-hmm. walking away from it was the only way that they were going to know it was right for them. Yeah. And I love that Comac is Comac leaves. Cantum's like, I didn't tell you the story to try to convince you to do anything, right? <laughs> But for me, it's really powerful in Comac's story that he doesn't, I don't think Comac has the answers. I think Comac just knows like, I can't be here right now. Yeah. doesn't even matter if I'm right about, maybe I'm right about how the Jedi should be facing the Nile challenge. Mm -hmm. I'm torn up inside. I don't have a center right now. This isn't where I should be. And right now my path is walking away. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That was really powerful for me. Um, I think, Reith's uh, journey was was really uh, powerful for me because I think that I think like Reith is expressed in many of the books, <laughs> but in particular this one that thought that our paths as individuals are things for us to discover and 
all of the noise and the connections and the events outside of our control, big events in the world are like distractions <laughs> mm-hmm. from I'm going to meditate. I'm going to, you know, make a five-year plan and then I'm just going to do it. And everything else is a distraction. <laughs> yeah. Uh, here, here's this passage on a page between page 62 and 63, which was just uh, brutally relatable from Reith. He had no idea how he was supposed to find answers to any deep questions, like how to be a Jedi, when every five minutes he had to pack his bags and run off to this planet or this station, get an attack, barely survive, and then doing it all again. He was tired. That was the thing. He was tired. And every day seemed to take him further and further from the answers he needed. Like, that passage has cool Jedi stuff in it, stations and getting attacked. But like, how many of that us is that is like, I had to do this podcast. Like I need to get new passport photos. I had to apply for a new job. This isn't part of my journey. This is just all the bullshit taking me away from what I need from my path. And, you know, wreath coming to see like, well, all of this is your path. Cause yeah. this is when you were born. This is what the people around you need. This is who you want to be. You're making choices every second. You're already on the path, even though it doesn't feel like it because you've got this mm-hmm. paradigm in your head that the path is this perfect isolated thing over here. Beautiful stuff here. Beautiful. This chapter uh, seven starts with Corellia. Is that where Reese's path lay? <laughs> like, I love that. Uh, no, what, what you're describing to and boiling it down here, Joseph, is, is this big Star Wars thing of, you know, I, I think you and I kind of have this idea of, uh, you, know, you know, Luke's staring on the twi- out of the twin sons, wondering how he's going to get there. And he's already heading there. He just doesn't know it, right? And it's so easy to look back and be philosophical, be like, oh, those failures, those obstacles, they were just building you to be what you needed to be at the time. Like, that was a bunch of failure and pain and hurt and heartbreak. <laughs> how dare you? I don't, I, do I have to go through that? And, and, and Reed's just kind of like, it's a different, he's just, he's experiencing that. And so therefore being a little older, you know, you can look at it and go, I, I, I feel you Reef, but hold tight. But also at the same time, like, I'm like, man, how am I going to pay rent next month? What am I, what path am I on? <laughs> you know? And it's like, I'm already there. So it's easy just to hide behind the philosophy, not hide behind, but just like speak from this philosophical Star Wars point. But I love Wreath just actively struggling with yeah. Yeah. And I, I think it is true that, you know, we, we can be swept off our path that we can really have an idea of what we want to do and we can allow ourselves to to be distracted. But like, that's not what's happening to Reith. Like he, he has a goal. It is to be a good Jedi. And he was born at this time. And these are the challenges and these are the people in his life. And this, these are the choices he can make. And it's all right there in front of him. I, I just I love that. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then just uh, uh, very quickly, I think um, for me, a, a part of um this whole theme that was so resonant, it, it would have been regardless. But uh, for me, the, the shock of selling that house and being really sad about it is, is a great Star Wars thing of it, it's okay to be sad. There's nothing wrong with that. Just let yourself be sad. I, I know that it was my path. It was time to let go. But the house also represented a lot of what's being uh, wrestled with here is those big life choices. And, uh, you know, because when we bought the house, it was kind of for a different life. And then we didn't end up having that life. So it's not just a house. It's this physical symbol of I could have taken this path. My wife and I could have taken this path and we took another. And oh, no, have we just been wandering or have we been on a path And that fear that you're not that you're wasting your life because you're heading down a bunch of different paths yeah. instead of just having this great. Absolutely. I charted it out. <laughs> I'm constantly oh, yeah. moving forward. You know what I mean? Yeah, I really do. 
Sorry, this is a great chapter too. To what you talk about, it, it, you know, uh, this we're on the starlight beacon before uh, all hell breaks loose. There, of course, and Wreath going through all the stuff, and to hear Comac. And this is where he first kind of is like, "There's a darkness welling inside me. I, I don't know what it means. I need help." Uh, or, 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 or the Johnny's uh, trying to help me, uh, you know, suss it out. They're literally saying, "And she's way sicker." It's just, yeah, it's like there's, it, it's it, your mind can go to fifteen different paths at once, and to make sense of it is so, it's so difficult. But that's part of the journey, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And part of what I think makes this uh, idea and this uh, story so rich. Um, So we talked about it big picture, but I want to dive into a couple of uh, specific choices that characters make about their paths. Uh, Shockingly, I'm going to bring up Wreath again. So uh, because in some ways his his uh, story has an actual kind of beginning, middle and end, Uh, you know, a chapter of his novel is in this book. So Wreath is knighted at the end of the book. And he tries to accept uh, this wisdom that there is no path, so he can't be lost. It comes from Yoda himself, so pretty good source of wisdom. Uh, and he tries to kind of push back, but saying like, well, isn't that just an excuse that people who were lost would use, <laughs> that there's no path? Which is so relatable and so human. And like, isn't, I don't want to let myself off the hook like that. But, he, but Yoda, you know, presses him uh, on it uh, to say, but, but how can you be lost if there's not a path? Uh, but all this is coming and Reith is in this moment of confusion of laughing and crying and uh, mm. losing his uh, his master. Uh, why do you think Reith was knighted? Why do you think that the other uh, Jedi, his master in particular, Comac, thought that this was the moment for Reith? You know, it, it's it's so funny. It's like he's uh, he's in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy and he went searching for the ultimate answer, the ultimate question. And he gets the answer and it's like, you're, you're 42. It will turn to, you might be asking <laughs> the wrong questions. And I think, uh, through this whole kind of creative, uh, crazy uh, process of him trying to find the right questions to ask, he faced the trials of life, man. Like you ever work at a movie theater? Like I did. And, uh, someone comes in and says, can I get the student discount? Cause I attended the school of life. Ha! I would never give them a discount. <laughs> Would never give them a discount. Get away with your old old humor. Um, but uh, Reith earned every, he earned this knighting by his actions more than this knowledge, which y- y- you're connected with Reith more than I am, which means you've been paying more attention to his beats. But this is someone who started in kind of a um, you know uh, isolated environment, Corson. He's 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 you know not hiding, but working with books. He's more on that side. He's a folklorist, right? He's he's, he's he wants to do other things, and he has this vision of what it is, and he's been just pushed out of the, of, uh, of the space plane. I was going to say pushed out of the plane with a parachute, but like pushed out and forced to kind of live it. And, and, and he's, the trials aren't, aren't uh, from a book. The trials aren't from a test and he faced them on the go and it makes sense. And I even love, I'll kick it back to you after this, Joseph, but I even love that, you know, obviously he always wanted to be knighted, but how he pictured this moment different, more pomp, more circumstance. He pictured only one way to get knighted. And, and through this part of the journey, he was exposed to the truth. The older you get, the less you know. And, and all this time, uh, they say all this time, all this fighting, all this death. And I haven't learned anything except how little I know. And it's like, ha, there you go. You're a knight now. You know the truth. Uh, and Yoda's saying the, the hardest lesson to learn, this is one of the most important, um, which is weird to, you know, think of Yoda in the future also saying, you must unlearn what you've learned. Anyways, <laughs> all that to say, that's my answer. Trials of life, man. He went to the school of life. 
Yeah, I think so, too. I think that's the the big picture thing. I think on like a practical level, I like that the book really shows us that he has trained hard, right? We meet him as somebody who is kind of obsessed with books. The force doesn't flow through him as naturally. He kind of has to work at it, but Mm -hmm. he's such a student. He's such a, I would like to get A's. I want to do my best that he's a better lightsaber fighter than Comac, right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And that's a big evolution from where he was at when we met him, right? When he's like, oh, I don't like sparring lightsabers. I don't really care about that. And and now he's great. Uh, so there's the the literal training up at everything it means to be a, a, a Jedi uh, in terms of all, all of the skills. Um, and I think that he's gone on this journey. I went back because I wanted to uh, make sure that I was on board with uh, this phrase that he's wrestling with um, when we meet him about from now on, uh, I'm, I'm putting us first. And uh, there's uh, this passage that sets up his journey uh, at the end of the the book where we meet him, uh, Claudia Gray's book. Um, you read this uh, quickly. Uh, Reith says, I thought I was sure. He's speaking of his path. But before I left for the frontier, Master Jorah asked me a question. She said, when I knew the answer, I'd know why we needed to leave Coruscant. She asked me why no Jedi can cross the Kyber Arch alone. Now I understand no one crosses it alone because the Arch itself wouldn't exist without all the Jedi Knights that have gone before, both the ones who fell in battle and the ones who built the Arch for others to remember. I was giving the order only as much of me as I wanted to give. It was all about me, not about us. From now on, I'm putting us first. So this is kind of a lesson that he took from his former master uh, moving into being a Jedi of the frontier and accepting that he can't just hang out in awesome libraries on Coruscant uh, for his own individual uh, joy. And then I love at the beginning of this book, he's wrestling with, okay, I decided that I decided that sentence. The hell does that sentence mean? (laughs) Um, And I think that that's ultimately his journey is I, I feel like the other Jedi who are watching him, Comac in particular, know that he's a Jedi who is at risk of turning into himself, who is at risk of becoming too uptight about uh, facts and knowledge and never moving forward and and making it about himself and what he holds, what he knows. And through his actions, as you said, he uh, demonstrates the focus on us, right? All when there's a clear need for like, I need to just throw myself into that pile of, of Nile and do what is necessary for the group. Uh, I never chose to have my path forward be slaughtering a bunch of marauding Nile, but that's what I have to do. And I think through his actions, he's choosing us. So I think that I think the Jedi know what different Padawan's personal trials are. And for Reith, it was about, can you stop being obsessed with your path, your knowledge, uptight, restrictive thinking? Can you open yourself up and serve the group? And you did. So you're a knight. Yeah. I love it. Oh, great to pull that stuff in from the Claudia Gray book. It's I, I forgot about that bridge, uh, that bridge riddle that he solves uh, through that way. Like you said, yeah, yeah. Again, read the picture of this moment different. And that was about himself. So there you go. Now, now you're knighted the right way. Yeah. Or yeah. This way. And the Jedi Knight ceremony, I really love too, because I think I've had that experience. I know other people have where there are big event life events that you picture it in this sort of um, perfect uh, Instagram way yeah. to use modern parlance where you picture it all processed and perfect. And life goes on. Like my wedding was uh, um, amazing, beautiful, everything that everybody ever said it would be. And a bunch of dumb little things went wrong because it's a human event, you know? Yeah. So Reese being like, I always thought it would be like this and like that. And doves would sing. <laughs> like, nope, you're crying. After a battle. 
Yeah. And it's never going to be easy. Right. And, and, mm-hmm. and this is part of this, uh, the ongoing process of change is dealt with in the book. But yeah, anyways, love yeah. that stuff. So what did you think of uh, Ram's path or Rom's path? Uh, this idea that he's feeling nothing. Then he feels this flood of anger. Uh, and then he uses positive emotions to find balance within that flood of negative emotions. Did that work for you? What are your thoughts there? It, it, it really ended up working quite well. Um, I might, I'll mention now, I'll, I'll definitely mention it again. I have, uh, I, I love this character of Rob. I, I think I've always enjoyed him uh, from his debut. He's clearly, clearly Daniel, Daniel Jose Older has a lot of passion for this character. I'd love to see how much, uh, and I don't listen to every interview out there, but I'd love to see how much of him is in this character, right? It just mm. seems, seems to be, there's a lot, a lot of things that connect uh, or just the energies there. Anyways, sometimes I just want to go, Rave, get out of the room. <laughs> like sometimes <laughs> I, I'm just a more like, God bless you, Ramp, go away. Um, but man, this really started to, uh, I looked at Ram in a different way and I got him and I connected with him. Um, I always, I always reference on Force Center bumper sticker philosophy. And I was using it in a conversation over lunch the other day with a friend. And I, they did, they almost took offense to it. Like, I was like, you're so good at boiling things down, like bumper sticker philosophy. It was like, eh, eh. like, not saying it's like cheesy catchphrases. I'm just, the world's complicated. And I'm the type of person, I don't live my life by Google calendars or spreadsheets or even outlines sometimes on podcasts. You can tell all listening. <laughs> um, I just need to have things boiled down. The big conversation of balance balance with Jedi, you know, I've had so many conversations about it. I got it more than any other time with Ram. Uh, and it's actually Wreath describing it to him on page 324 saying, right, right. Each emotion is a tool. And once you felt it, now it's in your, util- in your utility card and you know how to recognize them. So you can use one to balance the other. Maybe you can't be all empty on unfeeling all the time. That's not balance. You'd be a droid, but you can't run around blowing up everybody's com links either. <laughs> and that's, that's, I connect with that a lot where I'm so detached and stoic sometimes. And then I'm also angry and so throwing something across the room and I can't find that balance. And I struggle with it all the time as a person, as a partner, as, as, uh, as, uh, as just uh, an, even an entertainer, what I want to put out in the world. And mm-hmm. there's just something so simple about what Rom and it shows up a little bit later. Oh, I feel the rage. I feel the rage. That is real. Anger is real. How do I counter that? What's, what's in my heart that I have to counter that? There you go. And now we're even. Anger's always going to be there. Yoda's never saying, you know, run away from anger when he's talking about stuff. But then again, um, it's bigger conversations, but it was boiled down to this just simple utility cart <laughs> thought process. So thank you, Ron, for your journey. You helped me understand balance better. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed uh, the character in this book. I think a lot of characters are in the High Republic and in this book in particular are going through that like, look, Anger and pain and sadness, those are all real. You're going to feel them. They're not necessarily to be denied. They are to be um, coped with and and make sure that they don't translate into destructive action or an action that you didn't really choose, but you only chose in a moment of anger. Um, And this was yet another permutation of that. And I love love that it is a story of like pretty straightforward, literal balance. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it makes so much sense for... Ram because he is all about fitting parts together, right? Yep. So it, I love that, uh, you know, Reith is just being like, they're tools, right? And if you are uh, putting too much pressure mm-hmm. <laughs> with your anger tool, uh, remember your friendship tool and twist yeah. the other way a little bit. And, mm-hmm. it, and then the parts all fit together. It's great. 
I w- yeah, and I wish Anakin later on, uh, him a tinkerer himself, right? Uh, yeah. Put things together. Yeah, I wish he would uh, spend some time with Ram. Yeah, I could read old Ram's journal. That would have been great. Uh, I wanted to be sure to talk about the journey that the character Crash goes through. Uh, a lot of great stuff with that character. Uh, but she uh, shares her reasoning for making this big uh, divergence of her path on page uh, 380. Uh, she says neutrality, the performance of it, was something powerful people demanded of everyone else so they could stay protected. Uh, in Crash's case, she was literally doing the protecting, the performing. It was all a lie and not one she had the luxury of participating in anymore. Uh, that is a, a big uh, political statement, uh, definitely something that we can talk about in the context of Star Wars, the High Republic, context of the real world. But it really jumped out to me and I was really curious about your insight because you have in your life been a security professional like Crash in the real world. How did you feel about this journey and this framing of of the danger of protection? Yeah, it's uh, real interesting. You you challenged me in a great way with this question. I I had to sit and kind of think about what what I mean of it. Yeah, uh, uh, a retail security background that turned into a public safety background, director of public safety, and at some at give any given time had the had the safety of twenty thousand people in my in my hands, right? You know, like how do we do this, and 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 who do we call, and what do we do, and and then also I, I did I had there executive protection is an actual line of work I did not do, but I actually have been an executive protector at certain times, mm. um, uh, guarded jewel, pink, and mini driver uh, along the way, so. Uh, I love this story. It was really, I, it, 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 I love little details of it. There's a crash is a great character, but I thought about what you're asking here. And and then this um, choosing sides, a big star Wars thing. And when you find yourself uh, in this kind of tough position. So um, follow me here and, and see what I see where my answer takes. <laughs> I talk often about what I feel uh, the, the, some of the core issues of uh, the world. And, and we're having a lot of talks about uh, law enforcement and the best ways to do it and, and, and protection and public safety. And, uh, and then it, it, you know, um, spirals out to the country, our borders, had all these kind of things. And, and one of the core issues, I think it's, um, it, you know, lost in all the, the policy and funding and training talk and, and protests and everything is, 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 is some I've talked about on the show before here of the hardening, hardening of the heart, mm-hmm. uh, because what starts um, in this line of work uh, uh and, and to be and to be blunt i just don't think people when you're talking about some of the other issues which are valuable i just think it shows a lack of understanding of the, of the job uh, of those in this job and when you take mm-hmm. this kind of thing um and and you have to have a certain level of detachment when you're doing this you have to be able to pull back and see the larger um larger you know the things going on i think it was described as a symphony right mm-hmm. at one point mm-hmm. and i think daniel jose older in his in his uh, thank yous shouted out a, a, a professor professional actually talked about it like that um it's not just fun radio chatter it's something real and something <laughs> in, in action so um i think there's a point here where crash sees herself in a larger system of destruction and, and oppression and that's a big star wars thing that's not something i faced every single day <laughs> but there was times and and um and, and and she faced it in a way that uh, uh, it's it's it's, uh, it's more subtle. Uh, or excuse me, I, the other way, she faced it in a big way. In real life, it's more subtle is, is what I want to put in my notes here. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm trained in the ways of studying behaviors and what behaviors might mean for uh, people's safety and, and how you can deal with that. And, wow, I got to tell you, that steps really, really dangerously close to a destructive line uh, of when you start seeing people's behaviors and not seeing the people 
Uh, and, and what kind of can push you over that line is uh, when you remain too far detached and ignore that voice inside your head that says, oh, this was wrong. There's so many times in this book that Crash has just seen, she's seen what she she knows. She's seen her business and towards the end, a lot of it is exposed and it's exposed in a big Star Wars way. Uh, she knows that she she has to be careful and and, and, and your heart can't be hardened uh, towards these uh, these realities. And there's a freedom in this big change she goes through. Um, so... You know what I mean? Like, like that's what I try to take from it. Um, yeah. It's a big real world. It's smashing real world in Star Wars, maybe messily at times there. But uh, that's that's where I went with this and trying to analyze this question and what Crash's story meant to me. I really like what you're saying. What, what I'm hearing is sort of uh, an idea that makes a lot of sense to me uh, from Star Wars and the real world that you have a job and there are parameters and you're trying to do a good job and – even if you start out with like this great intent, it can slide away from you where yeah. you're so focused on the job that you start to, uh, uh, it starts to evolve on you. Right. Uh, yeah. if you're, if your mission is to protect this, mm-hmm. uh, and that, and that's a good thing. It's what you're hired to do. Uh, but you can start being so focused on that mission that you don't see the humanity around you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, 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 uh, letter of the law versus spirit law comes into play or, or policy protocol uh, comes into play and you hide behind that or, or, or you, you know, it's, and there's just tough situations and, 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 uh, you know, been in hundreds of arrest situations and it gets, and it gets ugly fast and there's going to always be some ugly things about it. But the, 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 the breakdown is like I said, this, this, where you start detaching so, so far back that you don't even, you can't even find yourself and why you're doing it anymore. Mm-hmm. And, and I think Crash starts, she's really good at this. It's a family business, right? Yep. Uh, trust me, that's part of it too sometimes. And, <laughs> and I was starting to go down the path of the old family business in another way and, and didn't go uh, didn't go down that path. Uh, different journey for me. That, anyways, yeah, I, I think, yeah, you're, you're, you're getting it. And, 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 and tying it to Star Wars, it was really interesting because we never really, I, this is, we have not dealt with this. Talk about real world stuff, pop stars and holo vids and morning cups of calf. Uh, and to have the, uh, you know, I'm using the term executive protection, but the uh, mm-hmm. dignitary diplomat, whatever it's, it's a higher level of personal security to protect actual individuals. And here she is protecting really super powerful people. And uh, yeah, I just, I thought it was a real great way to take some real world stuff and put it into star Wars. Yeah. I, I, I really liked it. The, uh, the journey that crash went on this great star Wars story of generational, um, you know, importance that she had all this angst about, can I live up to my mother? I'm inheriting this, you know, I want to be the very best at this. I don't want to, I don't want to lose my friends doing this. So much of this is based on the fact that she lost uh, her, her Grindelid friend. Um, So it's a great human story. And I love that the epiphany takes her by surprise almost as much as it takes the reader by surprise. Um, and I want to be sure to hear your uh, informed uh, opinion as somebody who has who has dealt with security and, and comes from a family that that deals with it. But a, a part of what I took from it is I think this is a truth that can happen in Star Wars and the real world about uh, what I would boil down to in terms of bumper sticker philosophy is mm-hmm. stay in your lane mm-hmm. that often people who already have power have a reason to say no one else should have an opinion and have a lot of manipulations to help you stay in your lane. Yeah. And in particular, what's happening in this book that crash knows that uh, all she is perhaps protecting people who have literally brought the Nile mm-hmm. <laughs> to Corellia, mm-hmm. who have brought violence and destruction to Corellia uh, in this story 
explicitly something bad and destructive. And the power of don't disrupt the system, stay in your lane. Uh, I'm going to kind of shake my finger at you, finger at you, because you said your life goal is to be the greatest security mm-hmm. guard ever. Are you really going to let yourself down on your own values? And it's like all of this sort of manipulation that boils down into stay in your lane. I have the power. Don't question the person who has power, no matter what. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I, that, that's a great insight into it. Uh, and I just feel sometimes the lane opens up, and you're like, should I, should I take my uh, uh, heart? soul car over to that lane and, 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 and your heart is hardened and it doesn't move uh, is what I kind of mean by that. And, and I remember, yeah, there's a lot of times where you're like, you're doing something because of this uh, job, something in particular. And I remember having to tell people, let them go. Well, we need to arrest them. Let them go. That's not what we're here for. That's not what we need to be here. That's not what, not, not what we need to do now. Uh, and it's serving, uh, uh, it's not, that's not even serving us or them at this point. And so I, th- I saw a little bit of that with crash, but you're so right. There was a great moment of her just kind of like realizing her and her rival or pro- probably one of them was protecting the person who brought them the hell here. <laughs> yeah. Like, Whoa, no, no, no. What was I doing? What was my part? I didn't even see that. It was very subtle. The water started boiling and I didn't feel it. Yeah. Yeah. And then makes that big, impressive path change to make a whole different life change. Um, were there any other the character paths that you want to touch on? Because there's so much going on in this book. There is a real beautiful story um, on, on Cantham's path, and we're going to dive into in other different ways. But I just think there was just something there um, that related to my Star Wars fandom. Mm. Uh, so we can get the details of the character story later. But uh, their their journey made me just – I think I've been conditioned to only think of things like the Lost 20. Mm-hmm. Jedi who have left the order, which is kind of a different thing. But I was, I was shocked. I, I like, I kind of muttered, wait, 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 wait. Uh, uh, much like with later on with Comac, but here with Cantum and the stuff with Yoda, like having them leave the order to quite literally join the circus for love. <laughs> uh, right. And this, and, and, and like, this is a flashback. So I knew that Cantum was a Jedi now. So I'm like, how did, did they reapply for their job? Like what happened? And I just, <laughs> As a Star Wars fan, you're like, oh, yeah, once you're a Jedi, you're in or you're Sith. <laughs> you know, like, right. And I love that the High Republic's like, no, no, no. Obviously, there's so much more to it. And I know there's other material where that's not necessarily true. I'm just talking about when you go around and it's a Tuesday and you're reading a Star Wars book and someone's like, can you leave the order? I'd probably be like, well, 20 of them have, but we don't really talk about them. <laughs> and so to see it from this and, and to see Yoda involved and see it all especially during a, a period of time where we're still talking about attachment and Luke Skywalker and Grogu and mm-hmm. little chainmail, And we're still having this discussion about attachment and how it relates to the Jedi order. And, and some people come in on the sea. I told you the Jedi order are bad. Haven't you watched the high Republic? Come on. The Jedi, are, excuse me, the old Republic, the Jedi are bad. And I just, I was really moved uh, on, on Cantum story in a lot of other ways, but this particular moment, I was like, this is a, this is an interesting path and change to be on. Yeah, I, I so agree with you. I thought I really thought a lot about the Grogu story in, in Book of Boba Fett. Uh, we did a whole episode about uh, Luke's choice uh, to offer Grogu a choice, but it, it really felt like, yeah, it's it's not a bad thing to say no to being a Jedi. It's really important to choose it because it is a particular path and it's a difficult path and it's okay to walk away from it. And I love this story that Cantum's journey is they needed to walk away from it in order to choose it and return mm. to it. And it, and I love that with Comac of just like, this is, uh, I can't do this right now. Right. Mm-hmm. It's not like, um, 
that uh, I have decided all Jedi badges. Like I really, this, I can't be this right now, maybe later, maybe never again, but right now, no. Uh, yeah. I thought that was, those were both really powerful, really interesting perspectives and really rich when you compare them to what just the story we just got with Grogu. Yeah. 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 Which now makes me think, yeah, at one point maybe Grogu was like, all right, cool. Ready to, ready to go back. Thank you. Yeah. I just don't believe for a second that if, uh, if Grogu's like, this has been a ton of fun. I'm a little older now. I can speak. I uh, get what Luke was saying. I want to do that again. If he came back to Luke, that Luke would be like, no, you chose. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah <laughs> you know, yeah. I think he'd be like, cool, great. You're following your path. You're making your choices. Yeah. And it was like, it was, I, it was, I liked it. It was, I, was, I was encouraged. It was encouraged for that Jedi order that just been taking a lot of heat lately in pop culture discussions. A lot of hits, a lot of hits. Uh, so many big ideas in this book. Let's move on to this uh, big idea of, of connection and loss. Uh, the book deals with strong connection in many forms. There's some uh, a deep platonic love. There's some explicitly romantic uh, love. There's a lot of just plain old physical, intimate attraction uh, running down some of the ways that we see this in our, our main characters, our perspective characters. Uh, Zena is struggling with her love of and fear of losing Lula. Uh, those characters, you, you can follow their story in the High Republic Adventures comics. Uh, Zine ultimately decides that she does, after going through a lot of horror, horror really does want to find Lula and be with Lula. Uh, Cantum's backstory is, of course, this uh, love affair with Aether the Acrobat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Running away from the Jedi to join the circus and make love. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Crash and Sivno, the pop star, are, are attracted to one another. Um, I love the ongoing story of Reith's attraction to many young women. <laughs> I feel you, Reith. I Me love like, that we just ran it down. Like, uh, Vernestra's pretty cool. I did feel something with Nan. Crash yeah. is kind of cute. Uh, yeah. So he's wrestling with all the normal things that a young person would. Uh, and then he also has this new friendship with Rom, this uh, a platonic mm-hmm. bond that they uh, both find. Uh, Ram, Rom, uh, considers Reith his new best friend. He's also bonded with the Starlight crew. He is, you know, coming out of his shell and, and making connections. Um, I love also uh, with Cantum that it's not just their backstory. It is also this current story that Cantum is wrestling with the disappearance of their former master Yoda and the great fear of losing their Padawan Lula. Uh, Comac's devastation at losing too many Jedi in general, but particularly realizing that Or- Orla Jorani is indeed gone. So lots of connection, lots of loss. What are your big picture uh, thoughts on this theme? Uh, do you think uh, attachments being presented as a strength or a weakness? Where do you go with all this? I think it settles on the side of strength after wrestling with it like we all do. And we all should still continue to wrestle with it in life and in Star Wars. Uh, you just kind of have to know how to handle it, which I think is consistent with all of Star Wars, by the way. But sometimes we kind of, I don't know, we fail to, in discussing, we fail to take into account the Star Wars characters are speaking from their own point of view. Uh, yeah, I loved all the stuff you're talking about. And, and I felt more than any of the book, you could, I, I think we made, the joke off air, uh, Midnight Horizon, aka When Jedi Get Horny, which is <laughs> totally awesome because it's very realistic, man. And to see, you know, see Padme and Anakin trying to deal with this very, you know, very real connection and love and emotion and how it fits into all of it and, and Padme's life and Anakin's life and, you know, to see it played with it here in another way, in a very realistic way. I, yeah, I get, I felt like Reith. Uh, you know, that that's me in seventh grade. You know, I have a crush. Oh, I have another crush. Oh, here's a, there's a crush. Ah, I'm going to have a crush is for everybody. And, and this is very real. And, and, and I, I, I think at the end of the day, attachment, attachment to strength, attachment to strength. And, and even though sometimes the Jedi order does maybe 
hold uh, to uh, uh, narrow dogmatic views, as Palpatine would lie to us. Um, but again, at the end of it, I think it settles on the side of strength. Yeah, I, I think so, ultimately. I think this book is a real argument for the strength of attachment and really, I think, finding other ways to say what I think is in the actual Skywalker uh, saga. Other mm-hmm. people might have a different interpretation or a different uh, emphasis or perspective, and that uh, I totally understand that. But I think it's attachment is good. Attachment is great. Attachment is necessary. Attachment is the force. Uh, mm-hmm. What is dangerous is uh, the inability to to let go or uh, to feel that fear of loss or that anger uh, because you have lost and to act on it. That's the danger. Um, and I love a couple of the, uh, the moments where this is clearly communicated is strength. Uh, it's on mm-hmm. page uh, 282. And this is, is everything is uh, kind of spiraling out of control. Uh, they're heading into increased danger. They're literally losing communication, <laughs> mm-hmm. which is, a, you know, a way to support this theme of connection. We, we can't communicate. We don't know what's going on. Comac, maybe the Jedi who's going through the worst time. Comac thinks, all right, no one else is coming to Corellia. We can't even communicate that there's a major problem on Corellia. And Comac thinks all they had is each other. That was like a moment for me where this book really crystallized and came together that this is about uh, the strength of attachment. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And and, and Cantum has some great thoughts on it in uh, page 287 short, shortly later. The, the master's taught non-attachment was part of the Jedi vow. Many, many Jedi twisted that notion into the opposite of what Cantum understood it to mean. They spoke of suppressing emotions, of forsaking love, bearing any discomfort until it was a mere Whisper, but motions couldn't be mastered, can't be. The, the very idea of mastering something like a feeling seems so ego-driven and reckless. You are reckless. Uh, neither <laughs> emotions become the masters of a Jedi, but they were more than those two simple options. More than those two simple options is a great way to look at it. I think this book does, we talk about paths. There's more than one option. There's more than two simple options. So it is with attachment. Yeah, I, that's a great poll. I had this other quote that I really liked uh, on page uh, 473, and this is uh, around the time that all the Jedi are, are sensing the destruction of Starlight after they've been through their own absolute uh, hell on Corellia. Uh, the passages, they had struggled each in their own way to find detachment, to breathe through the impending sense of loss, the fear. Each had failed. Each had tried again anyway, and then again, this was the Jedi way. There was no other. Mm. I I really like that, uh, uh, partially because it's, uh, it's nice to read in a book something that I really feel <laughs> uh, about the Jedi. We talked about it when we did our episode about Luke and attachment. I think that's what the Jedi are. They are uh, this group of people who choose to try to walk this noble, difficult path. And a mm-hmm. part of walking a noble, difficult path is accepting that you're going to fall, <laughs> that you're going to trip. Mm-hmm. And that what makes you a Jedi is trying again to stay on that path. And I really like that passage. I really like that this book is about so many characters clearly getting strength and power and uh, a sense of identity and clarity from the loved ones in their lives, but then being tempted by the darkness that that could create in terms of fear and loss Mm -hmm. and then going, nope, nope, nope. I'm going to find a way to cope with it and that that's who Mm -hmm. the Jedi are. 
Coping is an underrated theme going on throughout this book a lot, too, I thought. There's a lot of coping. A whole hell of a lot of coping. Yeah. Uh, speaking of that, uh, Yoda gives Cantum the advice that emotions are like the wind and sometimes a hurricane. You are trapped in the center of them. Uh, that one hit me uh, like a, a ton of bricks being blown by the wind. Uh, did that resonate with you? It did. I, I want to I hear this. I think it's valuable to hear it from you now. But I, I just <laughs> I have a lot of notes. I wrote this one note. Yoda, as always, with some clutch advice. (laughs) It's a really strong one. It's just such a simple, helpful visual. It was honestly some of this stuff when I was really caught in the throes of of being upset um, about uh, the house. I I swear, Force Center listeners, I will stop talking about the house I sold. Um, (laughs) But but it's relevant to my sort of thinking about this of Mm. it so helps to, you know, when you're caught in the middle of an emotion to feel like that's everything right and you have to respond now like that is the only emotion that is or will ever be and just acknowledging i am entirely caught up in this emotion now and that's okay because it it will pass you know Mm. and just letting yourself be caught up in it not act on it not lash out of like oh the wind's telling me to be angry so i'm gonna punch some folks like but (laughs) for yourself go i'm sad i'm mad As long as I don't lash out and hurt somebody else, it's okay to just be sad and mad and and this too shall pass. Yeah. Yeah. I want to hear more how this relates. I do want to hear more about your house sale here. Uh, I think it's (laughs) valuable, but I think this is why you and I discuss Star Wars to this level a lot and why the focus, we have a lot of other, you know, we'll talk about jackets to the end of time here in Star Wars too. But I I think you and I, as we go get older, find ourselves going back to this little silly space saga for real world help and real world understanding. I, I, I like it, but, um, I don't know. It's like I just saw someone who's dealt with depression and yeah, who hasn't, but it's something that, you know, was pretty serious in my life. At one point it's just like, you know what? Some days you just have to be depressed. That's the yeah. story you're in. And, and, and as long as, uh, as my therapist once said, um, during a, a, a dark moment of life and I got through this one particular incident, uh, I'll just say it with a finger on a trigger. And, and my therapist was like, great. Uh, you have impulse control. Uh, uh, now we can deal with the rest. And unfortunately that's not always the case. And sometimes I think it's because it gets, you're overwhelmed when you just, it's hard to just be that depressed or to be that angry and to be it in that moment and then kind of cope with it, process it and try to find the way forward. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's, I think it's, it's unfortunately meant to be difficult because it's none of this is easy. So to take this Yoda advice and just like I said, it's clutch advice, it's bumper sticker <laughs> advice, but it's yeah. clutch and, and you should be able to go back to that there. Yeah. I, I love it just as a simple, you know, uh, visual uh, of wind. And, and when it's really bad, it's a hurricane. You can't sense anything outside of it. And then it, it gets to, to me this this great spot, too, of um, I think Star Wars always arguments argues that individuals matter. You know, luminous beings are we. What is happening to us matters. But also what is happening to everybody else matters, too. So finding that balance between the individual and the group. And I like this passage on 227 where Yoda kind of connects coping with uh, how it affects the individual and how it affects the group. Uh, Yoda says, you must choose the force. One does not fall into being a Jedi Knight by mistake uh, or because it is convenient. You must choose the force with your whole heart. To do this, you must learn again to listen, to hear the world outside of your own emotions, even when they are very, very loud. <laughs> a hurricane. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that that is, I think, for myself, when I am in a really dark place too, is to take that step back and I feel like, it feels like if I'm mad about myself or maybe even feel um, like I made a mistake you're, and you're swirling that emotion and you just, you just feel like when you're angry at yourself, the whole world is seeing you that way. Right. Yes. And to imagine that, no, that's, that's the hurricane that's swirling around me and it's true and it's valid to me, but that's not the way everybody is seeing you. Right. 
or or maybe you're angry about something that you think somebody did and they didn't even know it. They never intended it that way, right? Or <laughs> you've misinterpreted and, you know, to be able to validate your own hurricane, but also see outside of it is, I think, what Yoda is arguing for, which is really great. Yeah. Yeah. Trapped in the center of, of the emotions. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, let's move on from uh, deep philosophy about how to get through life to uh, being horny in Star Wars. Uh, <laughs> th- there is just a much stronger sense of uh, sexuality, intimacy, mm. physical attraction uh, in this book. It's not that it's not there in, in other Star Wars stories. It is. Uh, Hello, Dark Disciple. Um, right. Do you want a larger sense of sexuality, intimacy, physical attraction in more Star Wars stories? I actually do. You mentioned Dark Disciple. It's been used effectively in other books as well. The Rising Storm had uh, Elzar Man, right? <laughs> and, and Aftermath has had some of that. Uh, uh, yeah, Rebel Rising. There's uh, some intimacy uh, yeah. with Jin and the friend. Yeah, Leia, Princess of Alderaan, deals with her first relationship. So I don't. I don't need Star Wars to take its clothes off, but I do think <laughs> I need Star Wars to explore this powerful part of our lives. Uh, and and I, again, I think it has at times. But I, I, I this book. A young adult novel handled it the most, the most realistic so far. Uh, where again, uh, if uh, it's here, I am. Um, if I'm 45, you know, I, I'm still dealing with stuff. But like, if I'm 16, 17, reading this Star Wars book, this is gonna feel a lot different, right? And feel more real. Uh, again, going to the wreath joke I made, but just like I thought, this book really dealt with it in a great way, and it wasn't young love; it was love. It spoke to the people experiencing it, spoke, sat down and talked with them about it and um, how powerful it can be, how uh, distracting it can be or how wonderfully distracting it can be and how perf- purposefully distracting it can be. There's a lot to it. It's a lot to understand. And the, the High Republic era has uh, applied some uh, has applied some uh, uh, just real world tones to Jedi uh, and <laughs> And their thoughts about those around them. And I love it. I love it. Yeah. I, I really like seeing a more fleshed out, uh, total uh, organic being experience. I was going to say human experience, but you know, lots of aliens in Star Wars. Uh, a That that sexuality is a part of life. Everything from Reith just having crushes because he's young. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. you know, Reith being like, she's pretty and smart and all these things and like not being able to kind of figure it out, but it's just a crush, right? Uh, to Cantum being like, I, I I need to have this relationship. But once I go and explore that, I'm like, good, figured out what it was. But I had to explore it to figure out what it was yeah. Um, to like clearly like for me, Zine and Lula's connection is all sorts of levels of depth. But there's a, there's a physicality within it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's just one of the many factors in their in their huge uh, a, a attachment. So it's just it's reflected in, in the complexity of it is reflected. Mm-hmm. And I really like that. Um Mm-hmm. I've been seeing a couple of articles starting to flow around that a sense of like, there's still romance in movies, but like a sense of sexuality, a sense of honestly, people just being horny mm-hmm. <laughs> is disappearing from some genre storytelling. And I think that for me, I love wizards and aliens and spaceships, but I, I want to feel that humanity. I don't, I certainly don't want just like sex thrown in to sell it, mm-hmm. but I want to feel like those characters are really, really real. And one of the things about being real is sometimes uh, having a sense of just, wow, those two people can barely talk without kissing. 
<laughs> yeah. kind of palpable desire for one another. I, I, I don't need, I don't want R-rated Star Wars. I don't want Tatooine Knights, uh, Uncle Owen and <laughs> Aunt Brew story, you know, but I want to feel like. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, I heard the I heard the saxophone playing. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, the twin sons go down, and so do Owen and Brew. It's easy to make those jokes, but like you know, the next time on the Mandalorian that Din is attracted to someone, I want to feel it that it's he's working hard not to take that helmet off. I want to feel that reality. I I think yeah, and this maybe uh, goes outside the walls of Star Wars discussion. You brought up just how some of it might be uh, disappearing, and I think uh, that's. I think that's okay in the way of if we're recalibrating how we're telling those stories, right? Right, right, right? exactly. And that might be a big part of it. Yeah, I, I think you're. I think you're right. And and it's like, um, like even going to discussions around Ray, I always was kind of like, I'm, I, I don't, I don't need her to be distracted by that unless she wants to be, right? And I'm gonna gonna make sure uh, I I let this character exist in this world if she wants. Um, but you know. You know, Re- Kylo's got his shirt off, and she's kind of like, "Well, all right, let me turn away." <laughs> There's something very real about that, and I wouldn't I wouldn't be opposed to exploring that more in Star Wars with the right way. It needs to be not just needs to be Disney safe. Uh, they can put it on Hulu if they want, but um, you know, for kids. But like that, I think how to properly deal with it because because and by kids, I mean teenagers uh, who are already dealing with it, uh, uh, and, and I think that's always been forgotten. But anyways, um, going back to the big romance conversation, in Star Wars, we we, we did you know that sweep a big sweep in romance wasn't super present in the sequel trilogy era um but it's very realistic when done right uh yeah so i'm with you on that i'm with you on that and it was just nice it, it, it was nice uh to to deal with and and and, and again it was a, a respectful but realistic way to, to address it yeah absolutely absolutely and yes it it, the, it really does need to be handled well uh, and i think it was in this book were there any other character connections that you wanted to discuss there's so much going on in this book uh there is a lot there's a lot but i, I think uh, i think you touched on all the the big ones um the big ones there i like i do like uh, the the growing uh, friendship between wreath and, and ram of uh how that mm. even happens in life when suddenly you're like i think i have a new friend i don't even know how that happened what, <laughs> new friend? what does that mean and how that sometimes an old friend could be like hey what about me what about me and you're like well hey, we're growing apart the only thing we have in common is our past but here's my new friend i've, I've been dealing with that a lot in the last couple of years uh so i, I like that one as well yeah, that was great. Uh, I'll just—I really loved the the scenes where where Cantum uh, finds Lula, um, and and Lula mirroring what he did, uh, reaching out with their hand to save that boy. That oh, that was yes. great. That, that was, was great. That's great. And then uh, one of the, one of the other just moments of connection that I really really loved is that Yoda, in his wisdom, knew that uh, that he needed to let Cantum go and explore their own path. Mm. Uh, and even though Yoda knew he was making the right decision, he was still sad. Like that—that yes. that is the 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 one of the parts that really helped me uh, when I was feeling sad. It's just that, like, it's like we were talking about before. It's okay to feel sad, even when you know for sure you're making the right decision. It's still okay to be sad. I uh, yeah, I really love that. I love that in terms of what you're discussing with your real life stuff there too about. Um uh, letting yourself experience feelings is something that, uh, can affect us in, in the real world where we're just, we don't want to. And then, and, and, and you feel like you, it's overwhelming that hurricane, you feel like you're not going to get past that sadness. No one wants, no one wants to experience sadness. No, you know? I, I experience it every time I get to the last bite of my sandwich. Very sad that this meal's ending, but, uh, I must move on. Uh, but no, uh, uh jokes aside, it was, it was, uh, that's, that's a great little moment there. 
uh, for Yoda to actually be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. This kind of sucks, man. Yeah. <laughs> Just that flash of Yoda being bummed out and like, well, got to do it. Sucks this does. <laughs> uh, one other uh, big picture idea that I wanted to be sure to talk about is just this kind of idea of class, uh, uh, not in terms of like, hey, that's a classy person, uh, but the idea of the structure of mm-hmm. class and the politics of it. Um, so there's the the overall story of the High Republic has been very conscious of class and power structures in the galaxy, uh, the core worlds versus the outer rim. Uh, we meet lots of powerful politicians and Jedi and the very wealthy like the Santecas and the Graphs. Uh, but we also meet a lot of working people, professionals, just, you know, trying to get by like Afi Hollow and uh, Sylvester Yarrow and Crash in this book. Uh, there's obviously the the message of we are all the Republic is partially about breaking down those class barriers. Uh, And then here in midnight horizon, uh, there's some even uh, more blatant kind of class issues on the table. Uh, A lot of the plot revolves around the idea that the core worlds assume they are safe from the Nile. That's an outer rim problem, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, That incredibly cruel party where the wealthy Corellians wear Nile masks and, and really downplay, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, particularly to Ram, the horror of some of the things that have been done. Uh, ultimately, we learn that this politician, Nomar Tralmat, has made a deal with the Nile to stage some attacks to generate fear of outsiders and make Corellia for Corellians. Uh, Grindelid life is seen as less than in some moments. Uh, they li- In the sewers, they're less than us. So how did the story of class on Corellia contribute to this big picture of High Republic politics uh, and storytelling for you? I think it crystallized it. I think you mentioned like the, the Linus So and the great works and, and, and the, the big real true struggle of that is how do we do this right? How do we literally build uh, freeways to connect everything, but how are we doing it and how that's important and the, the people, um, how people are going to take that. It's, it's always going to be a struggle. I, I, I always think of uh, even Pablo Hidalgo writing about the Starlight, Starlight Beacon, Beacon and thinking, yeah, one side's kind of the Jedi temple, the other side's the industrial, and you're going to have a different point of view on each side, depending on where you're standing on that beacon. I'm paraphrasing him there. So to see to see it all just in, in narrow fo- focus here on Corellia, it, it eventually really connected with me. Uh, I, think I, I think I was meandering through it at first, and I think Crash becomes a great way to look at it. What a great she is detached or trying to be and looking at all this at play. And by the time they got to that party, and mm-hmm. the fact that you could sell a party to anyone on any level as a let's mock the Nile party. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot going on at the party. Yes. But, you know, the fact that people, some people were probably like, oh, yes, let's put on some of those Nile masks I hear about on the hollows. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We got some disconnection here. And you and I talked about in the book of Boba Fett a lot about power. Um, uh, power can corrupt and power is greed, but also power on just a real simple level can just disconnect you from literally having your feet on the ground and understanding other people's plights. And I think that that's when it really started to hit in what we're, what we're seeing going on here in Crowley. Yeah. I really, really loved it. I think that, you know, getting into the core worlds when so much is, this has been about reaching out to the outer rim mm-hmm. and the idea that that's not a us problem. <laughs> we're powerful and safe. We're the core worlds. That's a them problem, even to the point where you can be so desensitized as to kind of joke about it uh, with, mm-hmm. with the masks. I thought it was really a, a visceral, emotional way to get at this idea. Big picture, I think that the, the storytelling that's been happening in the High Republic story that I really love is that there is this uh, fragile hope for making things better that like mm-hmm. Lena So and the Jedi and, and many of our other heroes are like, everybody is of value. The fact that our, our galactic uh, society is fractured between lower class and, you know, less than or upper class and, and, and less than is wrong. And we're trying to fix it. 
uh, in denial coming from this place of cynicism are like, we can exploit this. We can, mm. we can keep targeting that wound and attacking it and telling people this will wow. never get better. The people who are trying to make it better can never make it better. And it, it's complicated and real. And it's also as simple as hope and fear, right? Yeah. People are, are, people are trying to, Lena So in, in, every, in the, our heroes are trying to communicate the hope that this problem could get better. And the Nile are trying to appeal to the fear that it never can. Star Wars never needs to move away from that hope and fear, hope versus fear, uh, hope in the fear moment where you and I always go back to, and everyone goes back to if you're a Star Wars fan who deals with themes. That needs to always be there, and this was this was present. I love what you're saying, too, is, is, is this, what I've loved about this High Republic era uh, and, and trying to get it right and trying to find the best way forward of how I'm sure there's some people in Corellia and, and those core worlds who are like, oh, yeah, 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 absolutely. Let's connect the outer rim and everything. Here's some money. Please don't invite them over. <laughs> yes please don't um I, I think there's probably some of that and that's just as dangerous as uh, those who are like gates up you know it's all kind of the same and 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 again to use this um crash scene it through a different eye and it really ended up connecting with me versus the beginning part there was a couple i'm saying that because there was a couple moments earlier it's like why what why are we doing this what are we following this pop star for i, I you know i'm having a bad day i'm not picking this up here and and uh, you know credit to daniel jose older having to work through my confusion and and busy schedule it, it, he didn't know he had to do that as an author but he did. uh and uh, it really was very effective yeah really powerful well we have spent a bunch of time talking about the big ideas and themes our book reviews always go long because there are so many big ideas uh, before we take a quick break and talk about some of the individual moments we enjoyed, is there anything else from the kind of big picture or thematic perspective that you wanted to bring up, Ken? Uh, I, I don't want to make this three hours, but uh, just real quickly, the, just the room for change and growth. Um, hmm. um, it was important. I think all of us, and I'm someone who I think has gone through some some changes, big and small in my life, the last three, four to even five years. And there's a lot of people in my life, you include Joseph, as friends who have just allowed me to change. And mm. allowed me to grow the growth time and it allowed me to see where I want to go or not go. Right. And, and to see how I get there and not um, club me over the head with a frying pan or not pulling back or, and there have, and, and some of the people going back to finding new best friends. So there's some folks who have pulled back for me because they're not going to give me any room to change. And I think Comac for me goes through a lot. Everyone goes through that, but even his big thing at the decision is a little bit of like, Hey, I might want to do something different. I need to go figure this out. And, Yoda's like, cool, got it. <laughs> Hand over your blade. They nod quietly. And I think that was very important to me. Also, like uh, Ram, early on, page 18, uh, kind of talking about the importance of being part of a solution. Uh, it's, a, it's a good starting point for uh, bigger journeys and bigger changes, too. Oh, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. I think that's a really great way to, to crystallize uh, some of the ideas in the book as well of like, giving ourselves room to change and receiving from others the room to change, right? That's mm -hmm. the, the continuing Star Wars theme of the individual and the group. And I think that to me ties with the, into the, the, what is my path and the obsession with like, mm -hmm. I, I need to be able to figure it out, know that I'm on it, <laughs> document it, uh, measure how, how well I'm doing on this path. And that that's just sometimes not the honesty of life and, and, kind of letting ourselves off the hook, not in terms of um, responsibility or making good definitive choices about life, but letting ourselves room for change. Exactly what you said, right? Mm -hmm. to, to say like, well, I don't control everything. And there's these parts of myself where like, I, I 
want to do these things with my life, but I also want to do these other things like performing. Like I've had moments of crisis of like, but that's, that's one of my nouns. That's who I am. Yeah. yeah. I, I have to find a way. And like, well, I didn't start a worldwide pandemic, <laughs> Yeah, you know, and to give yourself room for change, which is to not say that, uh, well, I'm no longer perform. I'll never perform again, but like to allow myself to come to peace with performance can't be as big of a priority as I have made it in my life right mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. But I'm not changing forever. I'm just giving myself the room to say, not right now. And yeah. giving yourself that room is is so important. It's important. And and Comac, uh, for me, I connect with uh, him kind of being, I mean, uh, going through a journey the entire time. He says it even from the beginning. We highlighted that. But even at one point, we went, no, this is what I kind of feel. This is kind of what we got to do. So I need to walk away from it all. Uh, we'll see where he ends up. Yeah, I can't wait to see the rest of uh, of Comac's journey. I'm very excited for that. A uh, lot of fun moments like that to discuss, and we will when we will be back in just a moment. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B, and advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs, also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com.
And we are back to continue our discussion of the High Republic adventure, Midnight Horizon Adventure, with a lot of big themes. If you hadn't read the book and just are hearing our discussion, you would think that this is the most serious book. (laughs) But it's full of uh, not just philosophy, but action, comedy, insight, all that. So we always like to highlight just a couple of isolated moments we particularly enjoyed. So be it, uh, we'll we'll talk about action separately, but be it comedy, be it insight, uh, be it just a a fun moment. Uh, What were moments you particularly enjoyed, Ken? (laughs) I'm trying to flip through it as soon as I can. There's one moment where literally I I wrote down... uh, uh, it's Comac's take on tip of the iceberg storytelling. Uh, <laughs> and I'm, oh my gosh, I'm trying. It's on page ninety. Uh, uh, God, I should have highlighted this. Uh, it just was a, a la- uh, uh, Oh, there it is. There it is. Uh, good lads, Kedem said. Uh, but also, what the stars are they doing here? And just like Scarlet Skulls, no less. And Comac shrugged. I look forward to finding out. <laughs> just, it's kind of like you and me in the Star Wars discussion world. Everyone's like, Argh! we're just like, I don't know. There'll probably be a comic about it. We'll find out. Yeah, uh, a, a good question for another time to quote Maz Kanata, right? I mean, that is, and that that's just a, like the, it's a fun moment. It's a funny moment, but it's also like the truth of life, right? It's a great situation comedy moment of like, uh, yeah, this person was just supposed to uh, show up here, but now their their shirt is ripped. They have no pants. There's a bucket on their head and a tattoo that says pizza. I'm sure there's a reason that happened, you know? Yeah, yeah. Love that. Thing. Yeah, that's a great one. What, what are some others? Uh, yeah, stick up with Comac, some some insightful stuff here uh, around page 306. It, it's just kind of as he's going through what he's going through. Again, this is someone who he kind of comes in a moment where he's like, I think I have a handle on what we need to do to deal with this response and everything. But just I loved I loved some stuff. Uh, uh, I says he even acknowledges, I know what I've said in the past, uh, but these past months and especially everything that's happening right now, it's changed me, Canton. Uh, the galaxy is not, it's not the one we grew up in. It's not the one the order we know was built for. I don't know where we go from here, but I know if we don't face the new reality head on, it will devour us whole. Now, as a Star Wars fan, you could look at that and go, oh, oh, Comac, wait till you watch The Phantom Menace. Uh, <laughs> you, you could do that, but like, it goes to this room for change. And that's not, that's, I literally have said this statement, but these past months, especially everything that's happening right now, it's changed me, insert any friend's name. I said that stuff and I just thought it was really insightful again going to this ongoing discussion of the Jedi order we're in this era where I, I just get really almost de- not angry I get depressed with some of the barbs people toss at Jedi on social media and stuff I'm like it's just justice for the Jedi man the order is changing and, and, and maybe they're struggling and, and, and they are made of uh, species and beans and humans and otherwise who maybe struggle with change themselves just because they have the angle on some good advice doesn't mean they always uh, understand it themselves and so I just love the inside of, of the order in this new world and, and how they need to uh, address it head on yeah no I really like that I really like Comac uh, kind of making the argument for like we the Nile have shown us again and again and again who who they are and they're just leaving us with a choice you know mm-hmm. defeat them or not you know and I go back to like reading Rising Storm and uh, mm-hmm. almost I don't mean this is an insult to the book. I love the scene. I think it's really well written, but it almost is like comedic how much Stellan keeps trying to give them another chance while they're in the midst of attacking a fair, right? And like Mm -hmm. Stellan holds back so much that he gets injured, that Lena so gets injured. And I so relate to the Jedi in this moment of, uh, of, I guess, relate's not the right word. I love the, the philosophical discussion of when does a complex uh, problem just become a choice of, 
well, you're going to take this action. You're going to take this one. And I like that Comac's getting worn down. Like, we're not built for this. This is clearly the choice in front of us. We just have to make it or not. We have to fight them or not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was having a discussion with a friend of mine the other day at lunch. Shout out to Phil. And he, I was like, I've got a list, of, a post-note full of ideas and projects I want to work on. I, I just can't figure out the way forward. And he goes, well, you just choose one. <laughs> right. We just don't want it to be that simple because it's not simple. It, it, it's it's simple yeah. in the truth. It is not simple the path we take to making that choice, you know? Yes. yes. Yeah. And even back on page 35 with Reith going through his stuff and from now on I'm putting us first, he just – he asked himself this, uh, you know, philosophical question, but he says it was just the type of riddle that the old masters loved to interpret and disagree about. The straightforwardness on the surface only served to conceal enough layers of meaning to get lost in. Who was us to a Jedi? Who was it to uh, the Order? Just great stuff there as it all ties into what's going on. Yeah, that was one of my moments that I liked is Reith thinking about the Nile uh, and mm-hmm. making his choice. Uh, Reith says they would never stop until the Jedi stopped them. There was no sitting around hoping this would pass. There would be no figuring out a path ahead for Reith because the only path ahead led straight through the Nile. That <laughs> uh, is that that acceptance that uh, I did not make the galaxy this way. <laughs> yeah, this is this is the era of the Jedi I was born into. This is the times I was born into. This is the problem, and I now get to choose how I react. And my reaction, Reith's reaction, was jump in there and try to stop denial from hurting more people. Yeah. Yeah. Love that. Uh, a couple of moments for me. Uh, I'll get my wreath ones out of the way. Um, <laughs> I liked his ongoing thing, particularly in the first half of the book. And he says, of course, when a Padawan laughs, the force laughs harder yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, or hard luck guy. Uh, I love just the ongoing jokes about him just being a real uh, fan of knowledge and, uh, and libraries. Uh, and it's on page 158 where, uh, Reith uh, is disgusted uh, to discover that what he thinks are shelves full of info tubes are actually just uh, decorations that look like info tubes, which I just really relate to as like when you walk into a place like a cool library. Oh, these are fake books. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely great. Um, another thing I really loved is uh, the Yoda scene where Cantum returns uh, with Lula mm. and Yoda is uh, is trying to uh, use the force to stop that Hapabor from uh, falling yeah. while also the Hapabor is giving birth. And it's a fun comedy scene of yeah. Yoda trying to use the force to capture uh, all of the Hapabors being birthed. Uh, and then the, the sudden appearance. <laughs> right. Yeah. And then there's a sudden appearance of Cantum and Lula and it, 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 Lula, you know, of course, representing youth the same way the Hapabors did and, you know, the cycle between student and master with Yoda and Cantum and setting up a bunch of recurring moments where uh, in this uh, little family, uh, this little chain, someone shows up at the last minute to surprisingly help. Uh, I just love that scene. Yeah, no, there's a lot of beauty in the, in the Cantum story and the and a, and a use of... Um going back to the beginning uh, of this big moment in their life. I uh, love the use of it. We've done perfectly built to something. Loved it. Yeah. Um, another moment for me is I did it, at first when I was reading it, I was like, Oh, this is, this is pretty broad comedy of uh, Rom and, and Reese, uh just kind of flubbing their dub and trying to figure out what's going on uh, and ending up getting themselves dressed up as these old child assassins, Scarlet Skulls. And it, it felt a little like kind of old school comedy, a little bit of like mm-hmm. a Laurel and Hardy of like, what have we stumbled into? Um, it all paid off for me. And I did really like the idea of there's this uh, group of uh, long forgotten uh, child assassins called yeah. the Scarlet Skulls. And 
these uh these young Jedi kind of bumbling into getting themselves painted up <laughs> like child assassins. <laughs> Love that. Love that. Yeah. Any other moments for you? Uh, one that jumped out, and there's a lot, but I, I, and it's so funny. We're talking about the, you know, the the uh, dealing with a lot of the uh, love relationships, physical desire, all that kind of stuff. There was that moment that you know with with Crash and Sivno, and they're like getting really close. And as I'm reading it, and they're like, you know, the the energy's there, and I just kind of had this like, oh, just blank and get it over with. Like, come on, <laughs> come on. Uh, but then I, I I didn't write down the page. I, I forgot. But then Sivno's kind of got this really like very insightful kind of a response to crash the kind of, you know, correctly calms the situation down. I was like, all right, all right. I've learned something. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. But it was a good moment. Uh, I love the, uh, love those characters. Yeah, absolutely. Great. Uh, last thing for me that I wanted to mention is I like the ongoing story. Uh, if you've read, uh, all the books and comics with uh, Zine, that Zine has this journey where she is a Force user, not officially a Jedi, but she travels with the Jedi in that uh, she generally uses blasters. But there's this absolute trust where any time a Jedi has a, a problem and they need cover, like, here's Zine, take my lightsaber, <laughs> in particular with Ram. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Love that. Yeah. So uh, any other moments before we move on to action moments? Um, no, 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 that's good. No, that's good. We can try to get to some of the action there. Okay, so what were some of the action moments that jumped out to you? Uh, for me, there was this journey where uh, there's definitely some action early on in the book, but then for a, a while, there's like, oh, there's tension. <laughs> uh, and then the book just explodes, and there's massive amounts of action towards the end. So for you, uh, what were those moments that you enjoyed? I did like some of uh, Ram's big moments there, uh, you know, mm-hmm. leaping out to save the day, taking that ship out, uh, getting to, to, you know, even just meeting, uh, you know, the... Um, <clears throat> Seeing the, the 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 star destroyer and the little uh, Anzellan uh, uh, design and who designed it all, you feel his excitement, and and that's mm-hmm. one of the things I do love about Ram. At the end of the day, even though at times I'm, I want to be like uh, you know scram getaway kid, you bother me, but uh, I really loved it. And so I, I really enjoyed that. Just in, in in this wild crazy action, it was this. Um, it wasn't just like Ram was uh, living out of fantasy. It was like he was discovering himself in this, and and that's what I love. So there's that. There's a moment too where we're like um, down at the Corsac station and like the 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 the, 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 the Nile, the, the the gas explosion where you know you're kind of like oh no this foreboding feeling that uh you know here comes the nile that was very effective for me yeah yeah i really liked that action moment uh that i believe uh it, we are in cantum's perspective when they describe it as comac's impressive and unsettling takedown mm-hmm. of that uh commandeered tank uh, yeah that was a great action moment where comac really showing like yeah, no, we know who they are. We know what they're here to do. Uh, we're going to address it or not. And just the jumping up and slicing the arm and kicking the <laughs> yeah. uh, the the uh, grenade back into the tank. I, that was a, a fun and effective action moment for me. And I liked seeing it uh, through Cantum's eyes. Yeah, I, I like that too. Uh, yeah, so the Rams flight in the Eviscerator, um, the, that what what seemed like just kind of a, a fun character moment where Ram loves ships and, oh, yeah, yeah, right. what, what is this one about? But it builds to it really matters. The idea that there's this ancient ship that's designed to drill into other ships, that's really like the like, all right, this book uh, has been a little slow on the action, but now we're going to 11. Yeah. And actually, you know, drilling through a ship and everything about the way uh, Ram handled it and <laughs> having to yell at Wreath, uh, get out of there yeah. <laughs> and catch him. All oh, that was great. Love that. Yeah. Uh, an odd action moment, but I really, really loved uh, Ram getting so mad at the party uh, mm. that he totally unintentionally 
uh, breaks the party goers comm devices. Yeah. Thought that was a great, great just Star Wars moment. It reminded me in the Rise of Kylo Ren comic where I, I feel like Kylo is unleashing lightning or Ben at that point on the Jedi Temple without even really meaning to, right. uh, without choosing that. It's just an expression of the dark side. Uh, but then I also liked it from the real world because I feel like comm devices is that's their smartphones, right? Yeah, I, mean, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> I feel like this was a scene where Ram saw people uh, <laughs> joking about something very serious and being very flippant about something they were seeing, you know, on Twitter on their smartphones. He's like, all right, well, no smartphones <laughs> for any of you. I'm blowing up your phones. Uh, I enjoy and it. Not by calling you with the force. Yes. Nah, love that. I love yeah. that. Uh, one of my uh, moments I did enjoy, um, it was essentially is a, a barroom brawl, right? Uh, that breaks out yeah. at one point. But I like the way it was played out. It's just like Crash goes to make that punch, and then you kind of you go to another chapter, and then it kind of picks up with Cantum, kind of like, huh, you know, it's been a while since I've been in a barroom brawl, and I just kind of like <laughs> the good old fashioned fisticuffs in Star Wars, and I like that. Yeah, that that was absolutely great. Uh, I, I need to highlight at least one wreath moment. Uh, there's so much at the end there when they're just trying to keep the Nile from from taking the ships. But that passage uh, where wreath is really trying to hold out, uh, he's getting wounded and accepting well, like this might be the end for me, but it was the right thing to do uh, to do everything I can to protect this ship. Uh, and then the great fist pumping moment of being rescued by by that Anzellan uh, Shug, the designer. Uh, in a load lifter suit, uh, screaming in uh, in the kind of Anzellan speak like Babu Frick of uh, "We are all the Republic." Yes, uh, yeah. They, it was also just I, they didn't point it out, but it was one of those moments where remembering you know a passage from an or- earlier book paid off. Do you remember the passage in Claudius Gray's Into the Dark where Reith knows he has to um, defend someone against the Nile and he chops the arm off, and it's yeah. the first time he's used his blade like that, and it's <laughs> just like I can't believe I had to do that. Yep. Uh, That's where he started. And now he's like, I'm in the middle of them and I'm just, I'm just <laughs> chopping. Cause what else is there? That's what, that's the reality. That's what this is. Yeah. You know, the growth room, I can't believe I severed one limb and then immediately got that person medical help. <laughs> like to yeah. like, they're just heads are flying. <laughs> and, yeah. And I, I see, I, I, I'm also rooting for them more than I should. I, I, that, that scene with, there was another great scene of, of Comac kind of, taking this big kind of action moment, right? Take this thing and, and the Cantum just kind of being like, whoa, wait, what, what did you do? <laughs> what did you do? I just, I lo- there's a great philosophical debate behind it, but I just, uh, I kind of like, uh, I like that kind of action and, and, the, and the meaning behind it and, and the debate that it started. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> really great stuff. I- any more action moments for you? Uh, no, 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 no. I'm trying to think if I had one. No, I think that was kind of it on that one. It was the Kovac one. Yeah, I, I think I uh, also just wanted to shout out Yoda's arrival, right? I mean, oh, that. There you go. Yeah, sorry. Yes. That's pretty, to talk pretty big, that. right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Go ahead. Go, go ahead, please. I, yeah, sorry. We're stumbling because it's just such a grand moment. Um, I did not know that was happening. Yoda's appearing in the flashbacks and everything. So uh, all good. And then when it just popped up, it was true fist pumping moment. It was really well written. You can imagine it. And I, I'm for one, for one, have been pretty happy with the decision of how they used Yoda so far in the high Republic. We kind of were braced a little bit for that. That Yoda question came up early in, mm-hmm. uh, in the press uh, releases and press conferences and everything of, yeah, yeah, yeah. We understand Yoda. We kind of kept him out. He'll show up. Don't worry. We got, we got thoughts and to see it kind of uh, um, unfold finally and, and to do it in this book. Uh, I love that this book is a spot for it. And this is what it, it also speaks to, I guess you, you kind of got to read them all. <laughs> If you want to get all the big moments. Um, so I love that. I love that it worked on many levels. 
Yeah, I, I like that there has been a light touch on Yoda because it was such a question of, are we going to find a way for Yoda to be off on a mission? And he was for part of it. Uh, but, you know, a lot, He's he's been in the High Republic adventure. He's really been, uh, you know, working with younglings, which is clearly something that Yoda loves. But there's been kind of a, a light touch. So then in this book where I think it's written really well that we care about these characters and they are given everything they have and they're, they, they might lose, right? They might lose their lives. The Nile might escape with these uh, ships. The power of having somebody as central to Star Wars is Yoda show up. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, say, you know, saying to your book, like, oh, you're in trouble now. <laughs> <laughs> Yoda's here, right? The, it's, mm. It would be great if any Jedi had, if that was Elzar or Avar, right? There would have been that resounding, great, there, our hero is here. Yeah. But the extra weight that it's, it's Yoda back from his uh, mission to find wisdom uh, and that he is, you know, clearly by his action saying you, you Jedi are making the right choice, you know, cause he's, he arrives and he starts jumping and slicing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I started humming uh, my Yoda's back and you're gonna be in trouble. <laughs> A great action moment. Uh, we're going to talk about some of the Canon connections. Uh, you know, as these books go on, uh, they mention uh, a, a lot of known things. So I try to drill down onto things that are, you know, we don't see as often or maybe have a, a real strong connection to another story instead of listing every Star Wars thing they mention. Um, so there is a lot of quality time on Corellia and we get into Grindelid culture. Uh, there's even a young lady Proxima who appears. Yep. This is some solid uh, connected to the movie Solo. How did you feel about all that? I actually really loved it. I uh, loved it a lot. Loved it right from the beginning um, with Prybolt. And, you know, I don't, I'm not saying this was done. I don't know Daniel Jose Older's uh, complete uh, opinions on solo he did write the book last shot which was tied to it so uh, you know we love this movie here so spending a time and again Corelli is now obviously not new been around a bit in star wars mm -hmm. to spend a lot of time but to get into the grindelid to have lady proxima show up i just was kind of like it, a little justification for my love of solo and i'm okay with taking that yep i i think there's a lot about it that i i love the fact that this is a core world it's a manufacturing world uh mm -hmm. so there are uh, people who are just working hard or brilliant engineers or uh, politicians who profit off of uh, mm -hmm. the fact that this is a very successful world that has its successful industry. Uh, and then underneath that, these these worms have been here always. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, the Grindelids and they have their own culture. And I love some of their cultural stuff of like, well, look, uh, part of our culture is uh, we eat the people who have uh, killed our others are killed, you know, any of our yeah. family. Yeah. Uh, and we'll either eat the person responsible or the person who we find most responsible <laughs> who's available to eat. <laughs> uh, what are you doing next Tuesday? Come on down. Yeah. Yeah. And that is another great action moment when they when they do finally uh, eat the politician. No more. Yes. That was yes. that was powerful. Uh, all right. Let's the controversy time. Ken mm. uh, Ram Jama Ram made up the word wizard. How do we feel mm. about that? Hmm. All right, so uh, look, <laughs> I think Daniel Jose Older took a big swing with this, and I love Wizard. I love the use of it in the Book of Boba Fett with Din. Um, I hope to, I hope one day that we all can, uh, not just the Kitster, but uh, Jake Lloyd and his Anakin, we can pay some respects to his use of it, uh, which in a way this is. Um, I think I liked it. <laughs> it just kept popping up to the point, that's what I'm saying, where I'm like, I'd be there going, Ram, if you say Wizard one more time, you're, you're done. You're out of the room. Okay. <laughs> Stop it. Stop it. 
So it's a big swing. I have no problem with it. I have no problem with the origins of it. And it's also love to the, a nod and love to the prequel. So I'm good with it. I'm good with it. It's just a couple of times. I was like, Ram, stop. No, I, I'm with you. I, I I think Wizard was great when Lucas wrote it. Is a, hey, uh, you know, we all uh, have uh, words for cool, awesome, uh, sick, yeah. neat, neato. It, they evolve over time. And it's natural that uh, that one would emerge or several would emerge in uh, in Star Wars. So I've always liked it. I loved it in Book of Boba Fett where it was it was because it had power. It wasn't just, you know, that from the prequels. It was Din getting in touch with fun, mm-hmm. with being childlike. Uh, but I agree with you. Uh, with great wizard comes great responsibility. And, and perhaps Ram was leaning on a wizard. Like Ram, make up, if, if you're, if you made up wizard, make up at least one other word. Look, I'm going to confess something. There was a point in my life. There's a former commissioner of major league baseball back in, I think that what the thirties uh, um, and beyond um, named uh, Ford C Frick. And I used to try to get my friends to turn that into curse word where you'd be like ah, Ford C Frick. <laughs> it did not catch on and I stopped saying it after a while. Yep. Uh, sometimes we can't make fetch happen, right? To, to quote uh, mean girls. We but can't Ram, make frick happen. a Ram made wizard happen. So good job. Ram made wizard happen. He, he defeated the mean girls curse. Yeah. <laughs> he, he made wizard happen. The movie mean girls. If uh, for mm-hmm. some reason people are like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> it's a great movie. Uh, death sticks. Uh, I, I, I acknowledge those just because they, uh, that means they've been around for a while. <laughs> How do you feel about the fact that uh, that Elon Slezbegano is uh, selling a very old product in Attack of the Clones? You know, it's uh, uh, vices uh, go across many generations, so it makes some sense to me. I, I'm glad there wasn't like, a, you know, uh, an Artie Begano, Begano, or some great, 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 great grandfather of him yet. Who knows? Maybe maybe he'll show up. Yeah, I just like the idea that some things in Star Wars, like we're learning, like, oh, Bacta's just really being discovered in this era. And some things like Death Sticks, oh, no, no. Uh, people are smoking those during or, or doing however they yeah. <laughs> ingest them. Uh, hey, re- Death Sticks were big during the Mandalorian Wars. Forget about it. Yeah, but that, that would make sense, right? First came the Death Sticks, then came the Bacta. You need to hear. <laughs> it all comes together. Uh, of course, we had the character Shug Drebor, who is an Anzelan, uh, like Babu Frick. Uh, and it, that clearly uh, is uh, something that... Uh, Anzellans are clearly great engineers. I'm sure there's many other things uh, that the Anzellans are good at, but we've got to meet two engineer types. How did you feel about that? Hey, anytime you can make me think of Babu Frick, I'm going to be happy. All right. Ah, Babu. I love that guy. I love that character. And uh, I want to love uh, Shug Drebor as well now. Yeah, I love, I just kind of love this about Star Wars storytelling of like something new gets in- introduced. And then because we jump all over the timeline, we we see, you know, these mm-hmm. new ideas like they've always been there. And I think that's really fun. Yeah, yeah. Uh, speaking of that, uh, one of your old favorites that you have wrestled with in the past, Ken, was referenced. Uh, the, some of the ships that are being admired and fought over are MPO-1400 Purgle-class star cruisers. Uh, Purgles, of course, from Star Wars Rebels. And you wrestled with Purgles. Not not literally, uh, <laughs> but you wrestled with how you felt about Purgles, right? Yeah, you can pay for that experience if you go down to SeaWorld, I think. Wrestle with Purgles. And, and you, shouldn't, you shouldn't wrestle with Purgles, kids. Yeah, good old space whales. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm totally fine with them now, especially on rewatch. Uh, I, I think going back to the day to analyze my dislike of space whales over the course of, of time, I think a lot of it was just like there was a lot of people shouting out an anger at Last Jedi 
for risks uh, Ryan Johnson took. And some of those same people had, you know, their own cowboy hats on and, and Filoni as God shirts. And, you know, but Dave didn't make those shirts they made, you know? Mm-hmm. And I just remember looking at the space whales and we're going, if a space whale showed up in your star Wars film, you would burn the theater down. <laughs> your hero Filoni does it. And it's the greatest thing. And I think sometimes we have to find our balance in that and not get, we have to find a Ram and all of that. And I think over the time that's caused my, my, my dislike the space whales to, to, to lower. And as why I engage what they're for and especially how they're used in rebels in the end. So I'm over it. Um, I love the, <laughs> I love the, uh, am I, am I, um, I love the use of it because also this they're they're even closer to the the Purgles uh, discovering hyperspace, right? Or, or people yeah. realizing it. So it just makes sense that back in the day they name them this. Yeah, I, I just kind of love the Purgles. I love that you know something that is clearly natural but not fully understood, like hyperspace. That there's this animal who can naturally engage with it. I think is yeah. great. The idea that people would be going like, what? What are those space wolves doing? What are, what are those perkles doing? Uh, can we do that? It's, you know, it's like, you know, real humanity looking up at birds going, hey, I want to do that. <laughs> it's true. Um, so I, I love them being referenced and, and it, it made me uh, like the ships even more. It's really cool. Mm-hmm. Little uh, detail. And uh, I was lucky this weekend uh, to go on a, a little whale watching cruise oh. um, by the Channel Islands. And uh, in it, I, I got distracted. We were lucky to find whales looking at actual human whales, Ken, not human whales, uh, earth whales, yeah. uh, and thinking like, I bet there's pergle watching tours that you can take <laughs> in Star Wars. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Star Wars meets the real world, uh, the Galactic Star Cruiser experience, that ship uh, is the Halcyon, and there's lots of mentions about the Halcyon towing Starlight Beacon to Dalna. Uh, that was uh, fun to see that seated in there. How did you feel about that one? Yeah, I know. I like it. Uh, I was going to say, how dare, how dare Star Wars connect and, and try to make a commercial for this. It's, you know, it's totally fine. I like it. It is what it is, right? Yep. It is what it is. And, and I actually like the history. If you're going to do it, do it, do it to the full extreme, right? And yeah, I'll see on stories and books and everything have it mentioned. Yeah, there now I feel like it's got some history. That's the thing for me is if you were just reading books and comics and uh, Halcyon started to pop up and you didn't know that it was a resort experience that you could do, it would work in the story for me. Because I was like, ooh, interesting, this mm-hmm. ship that's been around that crosses the generations and represents this, you know, different kind of of life. Uh, and, and here's how it interacts at all these different points in time. That's what's interesting to me. Yeah, totally. Um, just a couple more here. Uh, one of the uh, many characters working for Chase is Tamo the Savrip. Uh, and I got distracted and looked up Savrip and realized it's a big lizard creature uh, that we mostly know from being a Dejeric piece that we yeah. see as early as the first film. How did you feel about that? Is this a this justice for the Dejeric piece to see a, a Savrip in person? Uh, a deep cut that I had to look up as well. I'm trying to get better at, at when I see a, an alien species or a name or a ship or something in Star Wars. I go, let me let me look it up so I know what I'm picturing in my head. Uh, yeah, and you're right. Uh, good uh, good call. Fun. Fun. I like fun in Star Wars. I like celebrating this thing we all love. Yeah, Tamil was a fun character, and just the how big and powerful they were was such a a, mm-hmm. a, a point in the the comedy and the plot uh, that I was really curious what it was, and I was delighted when I saw the answer because I didn't recognize Savrip. Uh, just two more here. Uh, Sabatha Krill, uh, the sort of Nile big bad in some ways of this story, is uh, described as an urquit. Uh, that is the same species as Odie Mandrell. <laughs> yeah. 
How do you feel about that? Anytime we're getting the pod race mentioned, I'm, I'm excited. Yeah, let's get the Padres in there. And the final one I wanted to save is, a, uh, well, actually, uh, I lied. There's one more after this. Anyway, uh, Finn Most Tag is mentioned as a uh, politician on Corellia, a father of chemicals, a uh, relative of your beloved Cassio. Cassio, tag, yeah, Cassio's sister, who's in the comics now, was a Dominica tag. Mm. That, that, yeah, yeah, if you haven't caught up with her, she's, she's one of the main villains in kind of the uh, between Empire and Jedi uh, section of time there. Um yeah, House Tag emerging as a pretty powerful force in the galaxy. I, I don't mind it at all. That's great. House Tag. I love it. Uh, final thing here in canon on uh, page 306, uh, one of the characters is uh, reflecting on uh, that this is a different time for the Jedi having to be in all of these uh, conflicts and see all this violence. Uh, and uh, they're thinking, a generation earlier during the Republic's expansion into the Outer Rim, things had been thornier. And I felt like, oh, thank you for the log line for phase two of the High Republic. <laughs> did it Did it hit you that way? hundred percent. A couple other moments, uh, uh, all effective, uh, by the way, because we we're wondering and, and we're, we're here excited about this kind of uh, going back in time to learn about the present. And, and so I had a good uh, fun laugh, you know, again, Star Wars, it's, it's like its own end credit scene here. <laughs> we're going back in yeah. time. I liked it a lot. It really made made me excited, partially because it's just saying like, yeah, look, the, there's going to be a lot of conflict. The Jedi had to deal with a lot of questions. But, you know, uh, this is really what I was hoping Phase 2 is going to be about is the, the this real frontier story of expansion mm-hmm. into the Outer Rim. First time, uh, you know, certain planets are being interacted with by the Republic, by Jedi maybe. Uh, and the idea that, yeah, that was complex and Jedi went through a lot back in the day. Well, uh, yeah, yeah. That made me excited for, you know, uh, Porter Engel. Uh, how do you become the Blade of Bardata? Yeah, no, absolutely. It makes sense. I mean, we, we were talking about the the core planets uh, kind of being like, yeah, we want nothing to do with out there. Well, I'm sure out there's like, no, never mind. We're pretty good. Leave us alone. I, I, I'm waiting to see how that plays out. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, we're going to move on then to uh, from canon to we always like to take a moment for anything that we wrestled with. Uh, uh, we did not wrestle with wizard, but maybe there were a couple of <laughs> a couple of more wizards than we were prepared for. Uh, maybe we need a wizard content warning on the uh, front of this book. Uh, it's a pretty small thing. Was there anything else uh, that you struggled with at all? Look, I, just, I think we, we, I've danced around here and we've talked about it a little bit. I just want to kind of put it put it out there what going through this book especially the first half of this book uh you know like joseph i'm a, I'm a professional comedian entertainer going back 25 plus years in various kind of disciplines and what that means is um i don't laugh a lot <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm like a comedy wall and and um you know, i daniel jose older seems like a great guy we don't know i'm like we know some people who've engaged with him a lot and 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 really like him and and i think i'm really convinced that if daniel and i sat down in a hotel lobby bar we'd have a great time and be a good pal i just don't know if we see eye to eye on all on all humor which it's fine you what makes you laugh makes you laugh what makes me not laugh makes me not laugh and i think just a lot of the jokes in this book just kind of crash up against me as that comedy wall uh, and, but what wins me over? And this is to say, you know, you start with something negative and work to something positive, positive. What wins me over every time with Daniel Jose Older is, is his, the joy in his writing and the joy for his characters. And I'm definitely, if I was a Jedi in this era, I would groan every time Ram walked into a room, but when he <laughs> leaves, I'd probably smile to myself and think ah, that kid's all right. And I think a lot of the humor comes from that point of view. It comes from a little goofier point of view. 
I would definitely be saying no more wizards here, Ram. And, you know, that kind of makes me the bad guy. And Ram's the one living it right. <laughs> so the couple of times throughout this book, I just was like, all right, this, this humor's not hitting. Um, but like you said up top, Joseph, it's a different style for a different era. And it's very important uh, to to kind of flow with that change and not swim against it. So Daniel Hosiller, tip of a. Uh, Tip of a, a, a cap. I think he sometimes wears like one of those little noosey caps I see him in. I wear beanies. <laughs> tip of my beanie to your cap. Uh, I get it. I get it. And uh, and at the end of the day, Ram is a really joyous character that I love. Yeah, yeah. I I I think I uh, I think I like. Uh, if I were a Jedi, I think I I would be more okay just chilling with Ram. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I I like Ram. I've always liked uh, Ram a lot. I just I love the specificity of a Jedi who really thinks in mechanical terms, and everybody mm. else is like, I see the Force as stars. Mm. I see the Force as the ocean. It's like I see it as you know drill bits that fit together. That's, <laughs> I like that a lot. Yeah, no, I, I think uh, for me, uh, I love Daniel Jose Older's work because in some ways it reminds me of of George Lucas. It's very why not. It's like mm-hmm. um, it's very centered on like here are the big, deep philosophical tenets. Here's what matters. Here's what the characters are struggling with. Here's how they go through pain and how they find a way forward. That heart is always there. And then I feel like some of the just kind of like the surface fun is just like, is this allowed in Star Wars? Let's try. Who cares? Let's go. You know, let's have fun. Let's not let's not be overly serious, uh, except for the stuff that's deadly serious. Then then we nail it. But then there's this just a spirit of like, why not? Let's try. Let's have fun. I think that's popping up. That popped up a lot in the book of Boba Fett. Mm-hmm. And I think an effect of that is sometimes some of the, hey, let's try this. Uh, let, let's throw this against the wall and see if it sticks. Uh, yeah. Sometimes for me, it doesn't stick on a taste level. Like, yeah, there's a joke I, I don't like or a word that sounds too modern. Uh, but that's me. That's not like, uh, I think the book is wrong. That's my reaction. And I would trade a ton of little small beats that go like, ah, that joke didn't land for me or that sounds too modern for me. I'm happy to have those there because the bigger thing to me that's important is to have that spirit of exploration and why not an evolution that's so necessary to Star Wars. Yeah, yeah, and to have an author who who approaches it with uh, a big smile, uh, and uh, I, I think I'm thankful for that all the time and every time. Yeah. So, uh, final thing here is we're wrapping up. Uh, what is your hope for the future of these characters? We are have just a few stories left in uh, phase one. Uh, we're learning that Yoda is recalling all the Jedi to the temple after the disaster of the Starlight uh, Beacon. Uh, how does that uh, affect your hopes, not for phase two, not for the next one, but for phase three, when I assume we're moving back to this story that's kind of ending on a cliffhanger. I, that, Joseph, there was something I just loved so much about that. He shows back up. Clearly something gone on. He's got that uh, bandaged, bandaged stranger who's repeating the uh, little uh, children's nursery rhyme, which probably ties to uh, was the levelers there and the, and the thing that's really uh, getting in, uh, the Jedi and bringing him great fear, uh, this, this, this weapon. Man, I love it. I love it. I, I think it's smart tactically too, by the way. Like, I'm just like, you're all spread out and <laughs> look what's happening and you can't get to each other. We got to go back home. We got to regroup. We got to regroup. So I really actually kind of had a little bit of a fist pump with that. Uh, I think it was right to be out in the galaxy, to be clear. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. But now you must adjust. And, and it's a little bit of what Comac was saying in a smaller version or a different kind of way to be clear, but I, I just love that. And also with this idea of just like, even looking at phase two with Yoda going, you know, I forget the exact quote, but towards the end there, it's like, we're going to have to fight now. We're going to have to learn about the secrets of the past. So I'm like, Yoda's coming in and just 
he's the uh, next time on character, and it's getting me excited. <laughs> right. Deal this, this we will in phase three. Yeah. Yeah, that final quote, to forge our path to the future, guided by the secrets of the past, we will be. That's such a Star Wars turn of phrase, right? And so yeah, then we'll phase two, we'll go back to the past, maybe see where uh, some of the uh, the Jedi actions of the past might have been something that, uh, Marquion Marchion Rowe is responding to that stuff's all great generational tale. Love the weird hooded figure with mm. creepy song about turning to dust. Yeah. <laughs> um, and for me, it just really got me excited about um, about Phase Three in general, about where it's all going to land. But just how invested I am in these characters in this story and wanting to jump back into the past for Phase Two, but can't wait to get back to Phase Three. Mm-hmm. And I love this. I love what you're saying about like, look, there was this. We expanded out into the outer rim. Uh, then Lena So comes along and really has this vision of we are going to bring everybody together. We are all the Republic in general. Like, yeah, absolutely. Two thumbs up. Let's spread ourselves around the galaxy. Uh, oh, and then the Nile come out and we're trying to defend. We're out there defending. And suddenly the Nile and Mark Yonro in particular have made it about the Jedi. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that Yoda's being like, okay, okay, we're not, we're not there's not a battle that's going on that we're inserting ourselves in to resolve and defend. We are becoming the battle. So let's retreat, you know? Yeah. And if, if that's your thing now, if the Nile is about attacking the Jedi, we're going to come here and and you come to us, yep. you know? Yep. Tactically sound, emotionally sound. There's a lot of things. Thank you, Yoda. Thank you. Yeah. And it makes me just kind of feel like this great big picture story of the high Republic is, is building towards a story that, these Jedi will triumph. Uh, they will defeat Markian Rowe in the Nile, ultimately in phase three, but that scar of fear will be inflicted. That fear that is kind of festering, I think, in the mm-hmm. in the prequels where they're really clinging to, like, this is the, we're, we're the Jedi. This is the way we do things. These are the bad things that can happen. Mm. You know, it sounds good on the surface, but there's some fear. I think that scar of fear is going to be inflicted uh, by the time this is all done. Star Wars, the scar fear. Yeah, well, there's something early on uh, around some of the Reese stuff talking about the rules, but there's the comfort of the Jedi Order's rules uh, mm-hmm. at this point in time. And you're talking about the scar and how that might uh, turn and maybe uh, become um, a, a shield of the Order that the Order's hiding behind uh, versus finding comfort or guidance uh, from. That's interesting to me. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, yeah, I really like that that turn of phrase. There are a lot of quotes I wrote down from this book. Do you have uh, any any desires or hopes for the the future of these individual characters, some of these uh, High Republic characters that we're spending time with? Do you think uh, Phase 3 is going to have a happy ending for some of these characters, for all these characters? What are you thinking? Yeah, yeah. I, I'm looking forward to Ram finally ascending to a level of Jedi Knight, right? I think he's still mm-hmm. on his way, which, by the way, I love. I love that they were like, Wreath, you're ready? Ram, you're wizard, but not quite yet, man. Get there. Um, I love that. Uh, I, I am really invested uh, in in Comac. In this is a powerful Jedi that we, you know, was on the roster of stars. We are to get to know when the High Republic era was unveiled. And for him at the height of this to to be like, I, here's my blade. I, I got to go. I got to go figure this out. I, I'm most interested of these characters. There's some wonderful characters here. Most interested to to see uh, where he goes from there. Yeah, very interested in Comac's story and seeing if he he comes to this path or like, oh, the, uh, I can't be what the Jedi need me to be right now or I can't be what the Jedi need me to be forever. I never should have been a Jedi. I, you know, mm-hmm. I found a different path. I'm so excited to see that story. Uh, really like Ram obviously love wreath very intrigued by zine story if she is going to become 
truly a part of she's going to be inducted into the order showing like a, a kind of flexibility that, uh, mm. you know, existed in this era, but maybe won't for a lot longer. I'm really intrigued by that. I have no idea what the end of the high Republic is going to be, but there's honestly a part of me that feels like, uh, depending on where phase three picks up, I would be happy to have an extremely long, like people make their jokes about return of the King, but look, give me the longest ending mm. ever where jump forward and I want to know what 70-year-old Wreath thinks. <laughs> yep. You know, how many Padawans did he have? You know, uh, all that. I want to know if, you know, it, it, did Ram design the Delta 7 Aether Sprite, uh, Jedi <laughs> Interceptor? You know, like, I want to see. Yeah. We got to spend time with them going through the throws that young Padawans do, seeing what you scarred them, what shaped them. Uh, and I would love to have just like a little bit of time with them is, is old Jedi. Uh, love this idea. And as someone, I, I know I've said this on the show before, but as someone who sat in the theater uh, watching Return of the King going, please more, I'm not done. I'm not, give me more, give me more. It ends. No, I didn't want it to end. I love this idea. Maybe we just get a, a follow-up High Republic um, novella. That's just all the conclusions or, or thoughts <laughs> from years later. <laughs> Yeah, like uh, I would even take like on a, a you know a movie that's based in real life that has the flash of what what happened to them, you know, yeah, on the screen. Oh. Yeah, at least give me that oh. a little oh. picture book that shows me how they all grew up, and some of them might not make it yet. Is there anything that we haven't talked about that you wanted to touch on? No, no. As always, we really go to all the places I, I, I want to and need to go. Uh, end of the day, just uh, you know, this uh, fun uh, f- fun book at first got really deep and and just in, in ways that I wasn't expecting, and that even made it more. Uh, more valuable and poignant to me. Yep. I, I think the book uh, overall is a story of this uh, uh, attack on Corellia that goes along with the attack on Starlight Beacon. It really holds together as its own story within the big story. Great beginning, middle and end. Mm-hmm. Uh, great ramping up of stakes and energy. And then within that, just so many ideas about Jedi philosophy, about connection, room uh, for change, about uh, politics, about sexuality. It's really amazing uh, how many big ideas are in this book uh, that is also uh, fun and energetic and full of life. So overall, I think this one was a real triumph for me. Yep. High Republic is going well, my friends. It's going well. Absolutely. So fun question to wrap up. Ken, which of these characters would you want to be on a road trip with? Ram, I love you, man. It ain't you. It ain't you, Ram. It ain't you, babe. Um, yeah, I, I actually it would be. Uh, I gotta say, be uh, Canton. Mm, They've got some yeah. great stories. They've got some experience that uh, goes outside the walls of the order, which is intriguing to me. And and uh, I kind of loved uh, this ongoing story he was telling Comac, and Comac kind of being like, "Well, that can't be the end of the story, right?" Oh, yeah. I, I love that they were telling the story like uh, slowly over time. Like, well, we got we got a little distracted by that conflict. But yeah, let me pick up. So I was with this acrobat. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I love that. So I, th- I think Cantum's my answer. Cantum is a great answer. Uh, Wreath, I think I'd like to be on a road trip with Wreath. Uh, but I wonder if maybe we'd be too similar or if we'd get along because we're, we're so similar and Talk about what books we want to read in our our anxieties in life. I I think I would like that. But I'm actually going with Ram because look at you. I I think he's he's fun. He's fun. He's uh he's talkative, uh and engaged and and energetic. Uh, but also he seems like he does have that side of himself that's a loner. So I think for a while there he he'd probably just quiet down and be you know thinking about his own things. That's true. Uh, but then not to be too mercenary about it. Um, 
how great would it be to be on a road trip with absolutely no fear that your car breaks down because Ram can just fix it with the force? You're not, you're not saying lies here. You're spitting on facts. <laughs> I like it. Excellent. Well, this was our big, big look at the Great High Republic book, Midnight Horizon. Uh, Thank you, listeners, for understanding that we like to dive deep, which means the episodes do get a little bit long when we uh, review the books. Uh, But we will, of course, keep talking about the High Republic and hoping everybody enjoys it. Ken, where can people find us? Hey, you can find us on Twitter at Force Center Pod. Uh, we are also on Instagram and YouTube as well. Our Facebook page is Force Center Podcast. Podcasts available on a lot of spots, including Acast, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and more. We have merch available at tpublic.com slash user slash Force Center. We can be supported at patreon.com slash Force Center if you so choose. From there, you get our bonus show every month, Will of the Force and other things as well. You can find me at CatnapSuck or go to my website, catnapsock.com. Joseph, where can they go for you? You can find me on all the social media, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok is at Joseph Scrimshaw. And for all of my other comedy adventures, you can check out my website, josephscrimshaw.com. But for now, for myself, for Ken, for Wreath Silas, and for Room to Change, this has been Force Center.